I'm ready. Are you what ready? What are you doing? You're like, wake up, Maddie, and then I hear you like punching yourself. I'm clapping. Or clapping. Did you not sleep? Is that your superpower? Yeah, I didn't sleep, but that's just normal, right? You would need like a cool code name for not sleeping. I don't know. I feel like insomnia is like too on the nose. It'd have to be something else like... Caffeinius. Caffeinius. That's, <laughs> no, that, that's my superhero name. That's like a super villain name. Well, there's there's a character in this episode whose name is Amphibious, which is <laughs> not a name that a character should have. Anyway. I feel like all the characters in the Savage Land are just characters that we shouldn't He-Man care about characters. and they're all stupid. Yeah. They're all yeah. human characters. Anyway, I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. Oh, wait, no, we have to start over. You have to say you're Caffeinius. <laughs> I am Caffeinius, Lord of Insomnia. And I'm I'm still Ryan. <laughs> I don't have a code you, name this you're week. Just a, you're just oh. a human who's seeing me pass by. No, I could be Rock Climius. Can I be that? Just, what did you say? Rock Climius. Why are we both? We're both ending it with E-S. And it's yeah, entirely because there's a character in this episode called Amphibious, which I think is incredibly <laughs> stupid. And by the way, he's not important to the episode at all but no he screams a lot and everyone's just like jesus shut up anyway (laughs) welcome to our show about the x-men where we review every (laughs) x-men you know do you want to start over like we're we're already here no we are already here this is a show where we review every adaptation of the x-men and right now we're watching x-men the animated series and for better or worse this episode had a character called amphibious in it and also a lot of other stuff back when we were young we experienced Sometimes there's some light He-Man crossovers in X-Men the Animated Series. Yeah, like Xavier and Magneto are just in He-Man, Masters of the Universe. <laughs> like, they're just in another show briefly. They're prepping and... to battle Skeletor. That's who the new leader is. Yeah, and they're just walking in and out of, of portals and who shooting would win cyberpunk that battle? blasters Skeletor or Magneto, like, for real. Like, that's actually, like, a pretty oh, Magneto would win. hard matchup. I mean, I want to say that, but Skeletor well, okay, has, like, which, a which lot more resources are we talking about are we talking about like reboot he-man skeletor where he's like a serious character because if we're talking about the the original original show then skeletor is like kind of a dumbass because he's not supposed to be i was also gonna be like well but at least skeletor has evil in but then i was like but magneto has mystique so it's kind of yeah i mean i'm assuming it's a one-on-one matchup why are we talking yeah. about this? Okay. Anyway, I don't know. Um, because it, it's a crossover that we need. Write at gmail.com and tell us if you think Magneto or Skeletor would win in a one-on-one matchup. Yeah, write in right now. Yeah, right now. We won't be able to read it until the next episode, but go ahead and write in. Yeah. Anyway, this yeah. is an episode called Beauty and the Beast because it's about A Beast. Disney film. It's about Beast and his love of Disney animated features. 
it's not about that. It's about him having a crush on a lady. Although, now that you bring that up, I'm just kind of fantasizing with this fan fiction idea of the Disney Beauty and the Beast movie, but with, like, X-Men characters. So, like, it's, like, Beast. Would you have then... Beauty be the random woman who's in this episode who I think is never seen again before or since this episode? I mean... Maybe it could like still work because her father would still kind of sort of play the same role. And not Grit and really. Creed her could father be... is more of like a Gaston type in this, actually. Well, I was going to say Grit and Creed would also sort of be Gaston in yeah, a way. There's a lot of antagonists in this. Now that we're making this comparison. So now that we've had two crossovers in the oh first five God. minutes of our show. Guys, I didn't get a lot of sleep and Ryan is Ryan. So I don't know how this episode's <laughs> going to go, but we're going to do our best. All right. Well, let's do previously, previously on the on X-Men. The X-Men previously remember how we made a joke about magneto and xavier being in the savage land well those it's not two, a joke it's the real odd couple got distracted slash kidnapped by mr sinister and put in the savage land i don't know how to describe how they got there they got tricked into going there and now they're stuck there and they don't have their powers which i guess is important because it's why it explains why they are totally useless so they're just wandering around this abandoned island with all these he-man characters on it and that's actually important again, because this is the first episode in a while where we finally see them again, and they're there. Also, we were previously introduced to the Friends of Humanity at the beginning of Season 2, and their bigot leader, um, Grid and Creed, who is the son of Sabretooth, which we've established on this show, even though it's going to kind of be a reveal in this, but we already know this. We've yeah. talked about this a bunch on the show. It's a, we spoiled it for you unintentionally, but the big reveal of this episode is, is Grid and Creed's dad is Sabretooth, but whatever. Yeah. You knew that. Maybe. We, every, you I, may not I, have hopefully. That. If not, you don't need to listen anymore. Our show is <laughs> null and void. Anyway, so we meet the Friends of Humanity are basically neo-nazis and they're running around like killing but mutants they're against and... mutants instead of yes. just other marginalized people in this universe they're trying to kill mutants or make mutants lives terrible or whatever right and also we got a whole bunch of origin stories for all the other x-men so this yeah, is probably like... the last one wrapping it up right now unless Ooh. we do I is it? Maybe. I don't know. Is Cyclops and Jean going to get one? I don't remember. I know that Cyclops eventually gets one with like the purple man, but I don't know if that's in this season. The next episode after this is Mojo Vision. So we're going to have a bunch of Mojo episodes, which will be Oh, wow. Cool. I'm excited about that. I'm like into the Mojo verse, honestly, even yeah, as yeah, weird yeah. and stupid as it I is. It's just thinking they were fun, but I don't. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. So now we're on to Beast's origin. We had Gambit. We had Rogue. We had Storm. Uh, Jubilee we had in the first season, so we didn't need to revisit that. Did we say Wolverine? So, we had Wolverine as well. Oh, yeah, we had Wolverine. I forgot about that. Wolverine's Scott Pilgrim versus the world <laughs> crossover. Yeah, Wolverine's <laughs> series of ex-boyfriends in Alpha Flight, and then also one ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I know. Just like Ramona oh my Flowers. God. But this is not an origin story for Beast. I mean, it sort of is it's, because... Eh, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, that's it, a good point. It's a Beast-centric episode, which I actually assumed going in that this first scene was a flashback because I'm just like primed to think that this is going to be another origin stories episode so it's going to be a flashback but it's actually not apparently like in the present day beast is just spending his spare time volunteering on like different medical research like i don't know how 
that works exactly yeah, he's a good guy he <laughs> just like contributes where he can i guess sometimes so. it's like for the eye doctor sometimes it's for the avengers you know but this 50, is like 50. a medical initiative that has absolutely nothing to do with being a mutant it's just like hank mccoy being a good guy and just like being a research professional i don't fully understand what he's doing but well anyway. maybe there's some backstory here that's just now told to us where he and carly or i don't know talking to each other for months and months and months before she I got the eye about that cut. as well yeah. because it implies that there's some sort of huge backstory between them that we don't get to see which nor do we get to research because she doesn't exist in the comic books so I it's know. just and all the other reference to this one episode here or at least i don't think he exists in the comics is dr alec bolson i think is his name the other doctor so we'll talk about this later but like i feel like this episode might be pulling from a couple different storylines and I think it may be pulling from the storyline where Artie's dad was trying to cure Artie of a mutant disease. And then, like, I don't know. It's 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 a stretch. We'll talk about it later, though. I like I, I sort of tried figuring it out. And I think it actually is pulled from, like, a series of different beast stories. But, like, none of it has to do with, like, Carly. She's not real. I think she might represent a different character. If you are a, a huge X-Men fan of the comic books, feel free to weigh and let us know, too, because yeah. I, I mean, either way, this is definitely an invented story, but I, it's probably a reference to some specific story that you or I just don't know about. Well, but yeah, these no, so, these characters we'll names it. aren't based on anybody, though. That's you know? true. That is not the case. So let's let's open up with the eye clinic. That's a good place to start an X-Men episode. Not that we know that that's where we are. Actually, is there an exterior shot where it says eye clinic or is that later? Yeah, that's like the first thing you see. Well, I wasn't actually looking at what the exterior shot was, but it's eye clinic. Then, but don't worry, we're going to see like 60 exterior shots of the eye clinic, so it's fine. Yeah, uh, all right. So, so then inside, inside, Beast is looking at a microscope because that's the main thing that he knows how to do when he's doing science. <laughs> that's how we telegraph it. It's Beast looking at a microscope. And there's this other scientist there, or doctor, I guess. Um, and they're talking about discovering some sort of treatment for patients, although they don't say specifically what it is. And there's these other two doctors walking by and like pointing at Beast dramatically behind his back, which is like a weird thing that isn't explained. I think it is. Because okay. I think I, I think those weird doctors... I mean, doctors... I think we are meant to believe that those two doctors are judgmental of Beast and that they're like... Well, I don't think him. it's just that. I'm pretty sure that those two doctors then went and called the Friends of Humanity. That's that's what I sort of yeah, got from that. I mean, the episode doesn't say that. The episode but... doesn't say a lot. You kind of have to like... <laughs> you have to kind make of what you can of it. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's very subtle. Anyway, so Beast <laughs> is hanging out with this other doctor, Alan. Or Alec? Sometimes they say I Alan think it's and sometimes Alec. they say Alec. I swear he's, Sometimes to God. he's also Beast's boyfriend. Sometimes he's not. It's kind of like a weird relationship. Yeah, they have like a very strange, combative, yet loving relationship together. And so Dr. Bolson is celebrating because they've just discovered some sort of treatment. And Beast says all of these totally ridiculous sentences with all these, you know, $600 words where he's like, I withhold my exaltation until the treatment is proved effective, which like no one talks like that, Beast. Um, um, and so then they walk into a hospital room and there's this brunette woman who's sitting there listening to music in headphones and she's blind. And we find that out because she needs descriptions of who's entering the room and can't figure it out herself. She's actually not blind. She's just like <laughs> fucking with everyone. No, she is blind. It's a key <laughs> plot point. <laughs> and her name is Carly. This scene is super short because it's interrupted by like a fire alarm. 
and fire outside and so, screaming it like basically the hospital is being like shot up and like also set on fire all of a sudden also the friends of humanity are outside but i don't think it, those two things are related do you think they are yeah i think the friends of humanity set the fire i think but they they're never the per- say that though okay Maddie, we have to extrapolate what we can here. I think uh, okay. it's written specifically in a way that we have to take like cues from scenes instead of being told okay, what's happening. I'm just, I'm just pointing out that it's a little confusing. It's almost as if we're supposed to be being told from the point of view of Carly sometimes, where she's just like, what's happening? Somebody tell me what's happening by the sounds that's happening outside. <laughs> Except that no one is telling Carly what's happening. Anyway, so there's a yeah, fire. Yeah, I know, really. And then Beast, who, by the way, is wearing a lab coat and, like, is naked underneath it, which is a look that he is definitely wearing. He grabs her. <laughs> they hop out the window because Beast has beast powers and so he can kind of like scale the building and not get hurt by leaping to the ground and so he puts her down and she's freaking out and doesn't realize that he's like leaping away from her to go back and rescue dr bolson and it's like kind of sad because she's like feeling around for him but he's gone um and then beast comes back and he's got dr bolson there's an exterior shot of the eye clinic which is like on fire and then the Friends of Humanity emerge. That's from, all he saved. He only saved those shadows. two people. He's like, I know, fuck those other guys. He didn't save anybody else. But then later, the other two doctors are fine. So clearly, yeah. they're like co-conspirators with well, the Friends of Humanity. Well, you know, they also probably call the Friends of Humanity on Beast, probably. So, I mean, why does Beast want to help these guys out? I mean, I don't, Beast doesn't know any better. That is true. All right. So the Friends of Humanity are here, and they're screaming crazy shit. So I want to point out that later on this episode... I have to point it out now because there's so many instances where, I mean, it's very obvious that Carly knows that Beast is a mutant, but Beast, like, doesn't know that she knows that. I know. But, like, this is, like, one of those (laughs) scenes where they're screaming, he's a mutant, like, in their direction. And also, earlier, he's, like, holding Carly's hands. I know, and his hands have claws at the end, so, like... And they're furry. Yeah, and also, he, like, grabbed her and leapt out the window onto the (laughs) ground, which humans can't really, really do that. So I think I think there's sort of a joke about that where Beast is like, how did you know? Carly like makes some sarcastic joke about she it. Does. And he's like She's like, I'm not completely <laughs> shut she's off like, from I, what's I'm happening blind. in the world, I'm just not an she, yeah, she's like, I'm I'm blind. I'm not an idiot. Like, that would be really on. funny if that was actually her line, but sadly it isn't. Um, <laughs> so the Friends of Humanity are actually led by Graydon Creed here. Like he's coming along for this riot, and he has this line where he says president kelly's favorite mutant holding a human girl get this filth away from her and he's talking about carly who he doesn't necessarily know is blind he just sees beast holding her and is like that's a human which like how could he even tell that but whatever that's Graydon creed's bigotry well for you yeah as we um, know because they say that word at least fifty thousand times in this episode yeah the word bigot i think it's actually yeah. like a pretty good catch-all i've obviously been using it on this show to refer to well, me too, but it's because just funny because this is like the first the time we've heard word, them say it I mean, on the actual show. Racist or sexist or transphobic. Asshole. Like, you can't say any specific word. You have to, like, just say bigot, which is like a catch-all word, because there's no word in universe for, like, anti-mutant. Well, Beast says anti-mutant a couple times, but yeah, anyway, yeah, so... Yeah, you, you, that's not a noun, though, you know? Right. Anyway. Uh, Carly's screaming something along the lines of, like, I don't want you to get hurt, Hank, and Hank's like, run away, even though you're blind, and it's like... <laughs> <laughs> not really helpful yeah and so then a bunch of these assholes come up to beast i really liked beast's line here where he just he well he says a few different lines where he makes fun of them for like believing in the just these nazi ideologies of natural selection he has a line about that 
and evolution. Yeah. And then the second thing that he says before he throws them across the grass is, I'm sorry, gentlemen, your anger at the inexorable alienation of the late 20th century life is sadly misdirected, which I was like, I could shout that today at anyone. And it would well, still can you be sh- legit. Can you shout that as like as gracefully as beast is because he's fighting people and he like is just reciting this like very long i really enjoyed it a beast is like well if you want you can just take that quote and put it on your twitter and like you know pin it to the top and be like today heard this today it's (laughs) honestly like i have made fun of beast a lot on this show but i actually did enjoy this scene where beast is like speaking like such a total nerd while still kicking nazis asses like i enjoyed it you know you gotta do you gotta do what you gotta do yeah i just i liked it so anyway then the cops show up and all all the friends of humanity guys scatter yeah because they're still afraid of the cops which is not the case of current society no no they don't have to worry about that nope back at the x-mansion uh wolverine's really mad because the eye clinic was set on fire by friends of humanity and obviously that's deplorable and like why would they even be doing that and wolverine this is, is a good scene by the way basically i like this scene losing his shit because he's like why would this even happen yeah we wolverine's to- basically like this is this they're dirt they're literally they set trash. a hospital for the blind on fire he's like that is so fucked up like yeah and, and he's like and he's like i'm just gonna only, go kill them yeah he's like i that's it they've gone too far now and gene comes in and she's like logan you know you can't just go kill them like no and he's like i know x-men never seek revenge and she's like yeah but also the friends of humanity thrive on public hatred of mutants she says and explains that like if he goes and kills all of them or tries to then it's going to become a huge public thing that is going to splash back on the x-men and you know destroy the very careful public branding that they've been trying to create for themselves right jean actually says that i think she says that we have to handle it very delicately which i thought was a good way of putting it because then wolverine repeats it scornfully many times later which is very funny Um, that is true she says yeah we have to handle it delicately and wolverine is basically like i'm gonna go track him down anyway and clear the world of the stink that the friends of humanity are casting or whatever yeah he says something like that but he doesn't say he's gonna track them down he just says that they're casting a stink and Gene's yeah, like, okay, he doesn't good. say I he's going to kill them, but he says he's going to find them. So right, Gene okay. doesn't know what he's going to do. And so as Wolverine storms out of the room, <laughs> Oh no, I'm already mad. As, as Cause like happens, Gene was doing great here. Gene, Gene, Gene was like, I think at okay. this point, Gene is like, she thinks she's failed because she thinks that Wolverine is leaving to go kill the friends of humanity and that she tried to talk him out of it and it didn't work. And so to herself, she says something like, Oh, if only professor Xavier were here, which is the first oh, like, time. No, Gene, that the no, you X-Men don't need Xavier here. Xavier oh my God. Weeks. It would, it was better that way. It, was it better seems that to me way. the X-Men have been doing better because since, since he left, Gene actually has a role with the X-Men and she's kind of like playing the role of professor Xavier and storms right, leading but like, them. Better. Cyclops like, is she's hasn't kind done anything. of being the like psychologist sort of a role where she's sort of talking to people about their feelings in this episode but like generally i would say in a more productive way than xavier ever has like, <laughs> yeah she starts it off by not brainwashing her team so yeah, there's well, that that's, that's a really helpful note but like she has this conversation with wolverine which i guess doesn't go the way that she wants it to because she unlike xavier doesn't just use her mind control to like force people to do things or whatever anyway i don't know it so, so me. since she says this we, we have to cut to the savage land land. where xavier and magneto are walking through a swamp where xavier is bitching about his ability to walk (laughs) 
And I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. What is, is wrong with you? Is that you saying that? You're right. He says something like, I never thought I would end up walking through a swamp. I didn't He's understand like, what he I, meant, I, He was just like, right. being it's so mad. He was like, just like, I wasn't expecting I to, to walk, walk through a swamp because I have my, the ability to walk again. And it's just, this isn't the circumstance I wanted to walk in. And Magnus is <laughs> like, Jesus, shut up. <laughs> I thought he was just complaining about the swamp, but you're right. In in the larger context, that must have been what he meant as well. And so then the <laughs> two of them walk into a net that immediately captures them. I don't know how they keep doing this because it's like pretty it's obvious to me that people are powers, setting traps everywhere know. and maybe they should be looking. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know why they were walking through the swamp. <laughs> They've been like the caught in like place. three traps so far. And like they're still like surprised there's traps. And I'm like, guys. You've been through this at least three other times. We also, know that like, people are trying to kidnap stop you. Moving around, like maybe just like stop somewhere. And, well, like, to be fair, they're trying to get away from all these people setting the traps, but like they don't need to walk through a swamp to do it. There's other ways, other methods. I I'm mean, sure. Maybe there aren't. I don't know. Anyway, there's all those T Rexes around. I guess that's pretty dangerous to place to be. So they get captured in this net, and Amphibious shows up. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the famous He Man character, Amphibious. He's not actually. He-Man character, but I did look up all the He-Man characters who I thought he was because I was like, this guy's a He-Man character. But Wait, did you find any names of characters that you thought he was most like? Well, there's a character called Lizard Man who I think is who I was thinking of, but there's also all oh, of these yeah, like, snake guys. You remember all the like sort of snake-headed guys on He-Man? Well, did you look at He-Man or She-Ra? Because I think She-Ra had a bunch of like weird frog people at one point. Oh, maybe. I was looking at He-Man because I remember who that knows? I had you know what? There a He-Man separate figure. seasons of each of those series, so like it would have taken you so long to find I anything. I had like at least a couple of different reptilian action figures that were like along the lines. And then meanwhile, Amphibious is sort of shepherded in by a couple of guys in loincloths and like medieval helmets. Like it's a really strange confluence of like how would fashion you describe, items. Well, I agree. How how would you describe Amphibious looks like here? Oh, um, well, he's basically a lizard man, like, except, but like, also, like, part frog, maybe he doesn't really look like a frog because, like, he has a huge green head. He's completely green and he just looks like a lizard man, but his head is really big, except that he has these huge, sharp teeth, which a frog I think he just has, like, big eyes, right? Like, yeah, big frog eyes, maybe. Mm -hmm. But why does he have those teeth? It's like he's kind of a crocodile or something, but he's not a crocodile. I don't know. He's you know stupid. What? I mean, and we, I looked him go... up. I looked him up in the Marvel Comics database and he doesn't even look anything like this, at least not in the drawings <laughs> that I saw. So I was just like, all right. So they like invented a completely new design for this stupid character that doesn't matter. Okay. All right. Well, so so he starts shouting at me, Magneto. Wow. How the mighty has fallen. We report to a new leader now. And he pulls out like a sonic ray gun that <laughs> yeah, knocks him out. he pulls out basically a He-Man weapon. It's like I know. shooting circles. Which and is... then I, I was like, okay, thank God we're done with the Savage Land. But no, we're not because we're then Xavier Magneto wake up two seconds later and Amphibious is still, still talking. I know, He's still I like talking. He's he still babbling about his new leader. And I'm like, I was like, time. who was he talking to that whole time? <laughs> He was talking to his three loincloth guys. And so this yeah, time, that's probably true. he says something like, never again will we be our creator's slaves, which uh, Magneto is just like averting his eyes at this, which I thought was really funny. Because I was like, <laughs> Me too, because like, Xavier's kind of like looking at him and Magneto's yeah, like, like uh, uh. Yeah, and Magneto's like, I don't know this guy. But like, I guess Magneto like created this guy. I don't know. I should have looked up more information. Well, it doesn't matter. It. We don't find out because they're attacked by like giant dinosaurs that appear Yeah, a bunch out of, of the water. sea monsters just pop out like, of the water. Just a bunch of Loch Ness monsters show up. And trying to kill all of them. <laughs> and Magneto goes, Charles, this way. And then, it, like, drags him off the raft. And I'm like, 
okay, you can't say this way if there's only one direction to go, which is <laughs> off the raft. Like, that's yeah. it. So there's no other you're right. way. There's nowhere else they could go, but they do swim away. They get to land. They untie which, each other. The way, and then they just like... wild that they're able to swim because they both have tied hands and they're just using their feet to swim away. So Well, maybe it's like not deep. I don't know. But they get to land and then they like untie themselves and then they... stand back I was gonna to say, back and untie each other's hands. And then they like land on top of each other and like, and is like that heaving. it? And it cuts to black and I was like, okay, so... Did they just like make out and fuck and they just had to cut, cut away from that? Is that what, what was happening? It was, yeah. The shot where I they were untying each other's hands was like very lovingly animated. I appreciated it. I mean, Me too, but just imagine this Imagine this picture, Maddie. It's like Magneto and Xavier lying against the beach making out and in slow motion behind them it's like this beautifully painted picture of like dinosaurs fighting and a raft flying up into the air. <laughs> and then and it's like on his beautiful. raft floating by yeah. being like, I'll get you. <laughs> I'm blasting off again. <laughs> I hope Amphibious comes back. Now that we're we've never made fun see of him, him again. So I mean, I bet you know, there's going to be an episode towards the end of here after this, where like Mr. Sister's just standing there with all these like crazy characters. Oh, and, like, I hope so. And he's like, my new boy band is even bigger than ever. <laughs> <laughs> Amphibious has a feather boa. It's going to be great. The season finale oh of this show is going to be better than we ever remember. <laughs> god then who's who's the four-armed guy i can't remember his name now oh crap i can't remember his name either he had a stupid name too it was like i don't know he he can be dressed in like sort of like a leather daddy outfit and vertigo can just show up as herself yeah she doesn't need to change she's already she's already wearing like a disco costume it's good all right so where are we cut back to wolverine who's dressed as cyclops dressed as like trucker cyclops it's like crazy this i thought it was cyclops at first because it was like a shadowed image of a guy with red shades right yeah and he's wearing like, like red oh, orange shades which i guess he stole from cyclops i guess I, he must but and then he walked wearing, up like, and an it was like Wolverine. and like jeans this is like the most normal outfit we've ever seen wolverine wear i, I mean think. okay so i think i think it's kind of telling okay so i like the animator's choice here to make wolverine dress like specifically like sort of like a closeted trucker yeah to go to the Friends of Humanity. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like that says a lot, not about Logan, but like, I think it's, I think it is a very specific commentary on like, because there was a period of time where there was definitely like this whole scene of like truckers specifically, like back in the 60s and 70s, right? Who yeah. were like. And if you were secretly gay, you'd like have a whole code and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they would also sort of like join in on like the gay hating groups because they didn't want to be caught. Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. And so like, I think, I think it's just an interesting choice that that's what Wolverine dresses as. It's a good look for him. I kind of <laughs> want him to like wear that to bed one day. He but, does you know. look really good. I'm not going to lie. He looks good. Yeah. So he's talking to himself like Logan does about how he's going to confront these guys delicately. Delicately. Oh my God. <laughs> I, love, yeah, I love he says that it is that voice too. And he starts like beating, he starts, like, the, beating sh- the shit out of himself. Because yeah, he's like, well, I didn't know that's what he was doing at first. Because first he like either. threw a tra- <laughs> well, first he threw trash can it. at the door. And then he like jumped up and started banging his hands on the railing. I was like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. But then he started throwing himself against the wall. But I don't know why he was banging his hands on the railing. Well, I think he I was think just he was- imitating... Well, it becomes clear later is that he was imitating having a fight in the alley. So he's like imitating like, oh, I'm getting into a fight on the fire escape and now 
now I'm being thrown against the wall, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very dramatic. Well, it's funny because he's like also screaming that literally. It's pretty no funny. He's like, what he's doing? He's like, yeah. ow, mutant hitting me. Ow, <laughs> ow, don't throw me to the wall, mutant. And we're like, okay, well, right. You're he's really not bad saying at acting. That, that would be hilarious. Do not well, quit your day job. You're never, you're never going to be able to act. <laughs> Yeah. So then a couple of friends of humanity guys come out and are like, what is happening out here? And Wolverine <laughs> is like dramatically lying on the ground in front of them being like, it was a filthy mutant that beat me oh up. My and they're God. like, uh, okay. And they pick him up okay. and they take him inside. But okay. So this whole like conversation that they have together where he's like, it was a filthy mutant that beat me up. And he's like, all right, we're going to bring you in. And it's like, what? It stopped being silly at that point. Cause they also were using like weird sound effects of like, dogs barking in the background and also like weird animal noises did you notice that i didn't notice that and it also was like these animal noises like barking and making noises into like a tube or a tunnel of some kind and i was just (laughs) it was very creepy and weird sounding and to maybe make it sound like the friends of humanity were animals i don't know that's sort of like that's interesting i would think they would just include those sounds to be like oh this is an alley like some dogs overheard the ruckus and they started i I think that's what it was intentionally but the way that i read it because it sounded so specifically and so weird in that moment that i was i was thinking it must have been like you're supposed to be thinking of of like animals and just like this sort of animalistic fight for dominance on the streets that's what you're supposed to be thinking of since i I guess maybe what i'm thinking is that because it was such a weird sounding animal effect like that they were caged or in some kind of i don't know tunnel that maybe they were like (laughs) experimental lab animals i don't know the metaphorical rabbit it was just very you have to go and listen to it again because i thought it was just a weird weird sound choice and i think it was just supposed to be like dogs barking because they heard the fight in the alley yeah but but it just the the clip they used you know let's really dive deep into like what the animals into what the dogs are barking about during the fight between Read the friends of the humanity. Okay. Do you remember when I messaged you earlier today and said it's going to be a short episode and we're like not even 10 minutes in yet and I'm still talking about the damn dogs barking? When did you say that? You never said that. I don't know. Anyway, back to the eye clinic. Beast shows up in his like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles disguise where it's just a trench coat and a hat, which is like not a disguise. Also, also a character who could have come from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is Amphibious. Oh my god. Okay. Yes. Great point. <laughs> Lots of crossovers yeah, thank you. in this episode. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and he There's just barely any X-Men in here. Walks in and sees his friend Dr. Bullset and like starts quoting this stupid old poem that I looked up and it was Francis Quarles, who I've never I heard like of. That you, I, I appreciate that you look up all the poems in this because I just just don't do They're that. They're always I don't care really enough. obscure, and I never like look them up. And I'm like, well, it's a good thing I looked this up. Like, I think we're just supposed to believe Beast is a huge nerd, and I buy it. And so, Doctor Bolson looks like weirdly embarrassed here, and like upset that Beast is there, but also a little happy and aroused. <laughs> Okay, I don't ship them, but Ryan does. <laughs> um, and so the reason he's embarrassed is because he's going to have to kick Beast out. Because he's like, hey man, I've got some bad news. Uh, turns out that after that whole Friends of Humanity trying to burn down the eye clinic thing, <laughs> people are, are not really wanting you here anymore. I do think it's important to note that Alec is not making eye contact with Beast because he's delivering this news that he clearly doesn't agree with or like want to even deliver you know I mean, it's sort that's of like... one interpretation i sort of saw him as being like 
kind of cowardly. I guess because I wasn't in the mood to be that charitable of him. Uh, no, I think you're right about that. But I also feel like he was put in a weird position because it's seconds later where Alec is like, you know what? Fuck it. You can stay. But, you know, whatever. Um, No, no. I don't think that's this scene. Because what happens is that Beast is like, isn't our work more important than catering to those bigots? And then Dr. Bolson is like, well, you'd think, except Carly's dad is Is in the other room. And just like opens the door briefly to the reception area and like shows Beast what's happening in there. And it's Carly's dad just screaming at the receptionist that he doesn't want a filthy mutant touching his daughter. And Beast is like okay i see what you're saying uh and then he's like let me just go say goodbye to carly and he's very overdramatic about it and this starts the whole section of the episode where beast is like incredibly overdramatic for the entire rest of the episode so he goes and says goodbye to carly and this is where they have a conversation that seems a lot more romantic where they're not like kissing or anything but they're sort of like embracing each other in a way that implies that they have a previous relationship although they don't state that per se yeah this is also the scene where Beast walks in and Carly's like, oh, it's you, Beast. And Hank's like, how the hell do you know? And she's like, I recognize your aftershave. And she goes, also, you're a mutant. And he's like, how did you know? And she's like, I don't know. The people screaming mutant at you outside and your big furry hands you keep touching me with. <laughs> Unless you're wearing a gorilla costume, I just kind of have to assume that you're a mutant. Yeah. And Beast is like, and- wait, you don't hate me? And Carly's like, what? Why? Yeah, she's like, it's fine by me. I'm disabled, so why would you think I would <laughs> be a dick about this? Anyway, she doesn't say any of that. We're, we're ascribing a lot more character motivations to Carly than this episode does. I wish they gave her like a we're little bit We're just trying to come up with a background, Carly, because we're given nothing. But whatever. There's not that much time to establish that. So basically that. what we're learning here is that she knew that he was a mutant, and that also they're probably in love, and it's like sort of weird because she's her patient and i thought that was weird at first but then i thought about it some more and i was kind of like uh, maybe they knew each other previously and beast uh, yeah, recommended I mean, doing I wish that this was explained too because i had the same thought but then i was also like is she really his patient because it seems like he's just part of the research team that's developing this cure he's not really her doctor so then beast tells her that he can't be there when she finishes getting this operation which actually, I think he was supposed to give her the operation initially. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. And he says Which, he has to be on another case. Since when is Beast case. a surgeon? But whatever, I guess he is. Uh, Beast <laughs> just has every, like, met, uh, see, well, he is, sort of. Okay. But, like, so an eye he's surgeon? Like, Isn't that, like, a ridiculous specialty? To he's, like, a medical he doctor. He's a surgeon. He's a biochemist. I, you know, I don't know. He's a biologist. He's, like, basically a he's super He's, like, smart. every smart thing that they need him to be, depending on what the plot requires him to be. The end. Yeah. I mean, like, he, him and Mr. Sinister could have, like, a powwow about, like, science and. Yeah, except they wouldn't know, agree about boas. any of it. But, sure, they could try to have a powwow about, like, the ethics well, of. Well, I did is mr sinister that leads to dark beast in the long run so who knows that's how that powwow went down anyway so beast (laughs) says that he can't be there for this surgery which i don't know what it even entails but whatever he can't be there um and have we explained that the surgery is to give her her sight i don't think we mentioned that but it's a pretty simple thing it's just that she's i mean i'm sure that our listeners have extrapolated that from us saying that they're at an eye cl- we said that she was blind at an eye yeah, clinic but I think for at we least forgot to say what it even was anyway that's what it is uh and then he says that he can't be there but he doesn't tell her why he doesn't say it's because of her dad he's just like uh, i needed on another case and she seems really upset and she's like I wanted you. you to be the first person I saw when I woke up. But he doesn't hear her say that because he's already like walked away. And so she's like yeah. crying by herself about how she has a crush on her 
eye surgeon or whatever a weird <laughs> whatever fiction shit is happening here they have that we will never understand or know Thanks, or know about. about but then we go to this really great scene that actually is very much in character for beast um mm-hmm. on the other side of him because we're used to seeing beast as sort of this very intelligent clever super scientist man who uses like big nerd of nerdy vocabulary yeah, and, like, and like really has his shit together and like doesn't let himself get pulled into being emotional about anything really um but the thing is that beast is also somebody who is like very 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 emotional and like sort of not self-confident about himself and i think that's why he like is overconfident about all this science it's because he's everything he's like overconfident about is like stuff that is in books facts and science and this and that and when it comes to actually dealing with emotional stuff he is very insecure right and that's and what it, we get to see he here. has good reason to be because he does look extremely different from other people and is like visibly immune which is what this scene is about so he's looking at this these old photos of himself like growing up and it's like you know you see this like blue kid with all of these other kids who are not blue <laughs> and his family and everything and it's like b stands out like a lot in all these photos but he's had a pretty happy life yeah and i think at the beginning of those photos he's just looks like a normal human and then somewhere in the middle he mm-hmm. just suddenly is blue yeah yeah i think it's only like one photo at the beginning that he just is like a kid and i assumed that was him but i yeah i don't know we don't know that but and it so- seems like he has a good relationship with his family and they're all like cool with him being blue and that he's doing the best that he can. And, you know, it's just. Yeah. But then uh, but I think, even though the photos themselves are happy and even though Beast looks happy at first while he's looking at the photos, by the time he gets to the end of the book, he's like really upset and he just throws it on the ground and is like angry. And Jane yeah. is coming down the stairs and like overhears that. And she's carrying like a tray of food for him and is like, hey, you hungry? And Beast is like losing it. <laughs> and, like, oh, and Beast is like, no, he's very calm. I actually really like this because he just goes no i'm not very hungry right now and he walks over to the mirror like completely calmly after saying a calm statement takes a book stares at himself in the mirror and then smashes it yeah Yeah, he screams and smashes it and gene's like holy fuck (laughs) yeah gene just like quietly puts down the train is like she's like okay "Um, you're clearly not fine (laughs) (laughs) and this scene is really sad it's beast. It is. I really like this scene. No, I know. I'm just saying it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You you thought it was hilarious. You were like laughing and just yeah. I thought it was it. a good joke. I, I you know this is comedy. Great <laughs> no, top great comedy. It's really sad. It's beast. Yeah. Beast has this whole monologue where he says, "Why can't I be normal? I can't be close to any human. I can't take a chance of endangering them." Because obviously yeah. he's just had this whole situation where he was just trying to volunteer at an eye clinic and the Friends of Humanity got involved and tried to stop that from happening, basically. Because there's like, I mean, to be fair, the Friends of Humanity and Senator Kelly targeted Beast specifically for the first two seasons of this show. Like, yeah, he was in they jail targeted for all like the mutants, a but while, He's remember? been specifically a target yeah. of all this bigotry. So, I mean, I think this is the first time we see him sort of break down about that because... I mean, they are targeting him because he looks the most different out of all the X-Men. If Nightcrawler were there, they'd probably go after him, too. And I think Nightcrawler also suffers a very similar problem where he's all, like, jaunty and, like, oh, it's me, Nightcrawler. But then also, but, like, like... he has all these, like, internal problems where he's, like, I look like a demon and people are terrified yeah, of me. And God hates me. And we're, like, mm-hmm. oh, God, this is even worse than Beast. Like, calm <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, he has all the, like, religious hang-ups as well. But Beast still has, like, legitimate hang-ups of just being, like, I look completely different from other other people i scare people when they see me 
and yeah, that's I think the that's worst. A, I think that's a big difference because people can look at Nightcrawler and be like, you're a demon, but they look at Beast and like, he's a scary monster gorilla man, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's part of why he has to overcompensate by like trying to be so respectable and like trying to like put on the accoutrements of like academia. Like he like wears the glasses and wears the lab coat and everything, you know, like I feel like that's such an intentional. I mean, we talked about that in like the early episodes where I was like, I feel like Beast is overcompensating with all of the like smart stuff to make up for the fact that he looks like a monster, you know? Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. But it's like really sad because it's like no matter how many of those accoutrements he takes on, he still isn't actually respected. And like, that's tragic. And that's basically what he's saying anyway. And he also says it was so much easier when I was consumed with my work, which is like a really sad thing to say because it's like he's admitting that he like fell in love with this person, but like has been trying not to because... He doesn't feel like he can ever become close to anybody. It's kind of like the rogue stories that we've seen, but it's just interesting I was actually, to see you know, from Beast. That was funny because that was the exact same thought I had when I was watching this. I was like, you know, we never see Rogue and Beast really empathize with each other. And well, I would love so to see that because they're both characters who, even in the comics, we don't see them empathize like that to each other. We see Rogue <laughs> empathize to Nightcrawler because they're siblings and they both have their own emotional hangups about the, their bodies. But we never see like Rogue and Beast really talk about it. I mean, I'm sure at the comics at some point they did, but it's not as heavy They're as like, like Rogue and Nightcrawler. Besties, really. I yeah. mean, yeah, I don't know why for whatever uh, reason. Eventually, Beast does have a relation, like a friend, a really close friendship with Emma Frost, and I like that dynamic. So he does get somebody who sort of I like. I think Beast feels can him. only hang out with other people who are nerds, and Emma is a nerd in her own like calculating way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogue is street smart, but she's not much one for book learning. Well, she's tough. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, she she falls in the Wolverine category where they like just like to punch things, and that's Remember totally when okay. Rogue bought Beast a book, but like didn't know what the writing on the cover <laughs> said and thought that it was an illustration. <laughs> I think I just summed up why they're not friends. She was like the cover looked nice, but it was just, <laughs> it just like works. some words. There were no illustrations. <laughs> oh my god that happened all right, on this anyway show. can we get back <laughs> what's happening in this scene all right so gene is like Jean Jean is shocked. yeah gene is shocked but she's being like a really good friend here and like really kind and is just responding to each thing that b says and sort of turning it around on him and being like well let's look at it from another perspective and in this this case she's like well how does carly feel about you and he's like i think she does care for me and gene is like that's great and he's like no it's terrible i won't allow her to be with me it's too dangerous and gene says carly is the person who should be making that decision and that he needs to talk to her and give her the chance to decide if she wants to be with him or not see i I, i'm so happy that gene is finally doing stuff in this show it's really nice (laughs) and she's like like, a really good psychologist to be written at all well like as like a kind friend who like picks up on the emotional states of her friends and is like i'm gonna say the right thing as opposed to just standing there being like i can't tell you what's going on and then leaving god i wonder if xavier like nailed that into her brain it's like if you see a vision don't Don't tell tell anyone anyone. at all because that's just an invasion of their privacy but make sure to invade their privacy to find out but don't tell anyone but you can tell me (laughs) and if you invade their privacy definitely delete all the memories that you find because they're dangerous (laughs) like it's your browser history (laughs) oh my god anyway i hate xavier (laughs) gene actually did the right thing here by convincing beast to go and meet carly because that's the next scene beast goes and sees carly right as she's finishing up her eye surgery 
and she's yeah, and like, Alex's like, Beast, you can't be in here. And then Beast yeah, is like, this is like, the part I... where Alex is like a dick for no reason. Do- Alec Baldwin, but like two seconds doctor. later, he's like, because he's like, Beast, you can't be here. And Beast is like, I wanted to be here for this surgery. And, and then Alec he's, and is then like, the security right. is like, you should. I, be I know, because then the, the security is like, you want us to get rid of him? And Alex's like, no, he invented this. He belongs here. And I was like, okay, Alec, you need to like pick Stop a side here. Stop having weird mood swings. Like, what are you doing, man? It's a weird. I scene. think he's like somebody that is trying to walk the line of being like neutral between all this, but like clearly is on Beast's side. But like, he doesn't want to like lose his job because he's on Beast's side. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, again, that's like a very charitable reading. I just thought it was like a weird characterization, but whatever. I like I've, I've just been extrapolating all this from this episode, and you're like, I, mean, that's I don't what know. We always no. do. We just invent things. Well, normally we invent like gay like stuff? gay fan fictions well, that happen on the side. You have done that, to be fair. You I have, have personally I have, but decided. But like in this, I've actually like written an, yes, <laughs> written an extended plier, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so she's yeah, getting her it, it eye bandages off. Carly takes a, gets her bandages taken off, and she looks at Hank McCoy, and she says, "You're beautiful," and he's like, "You too," and Alan. Paulson is like what about me and it's actually pretty funny even though it's like deeply inappropriate for doctors to be saying this to their patient i still yeah, whatever um, i laughed too i also this is this is the point that i noticed that carly's voice was just jean gray oh, i, I think it? it's yeah i think it's just like the same voice actress not changing her voice That's but funny. whatever um and so then she says you don't have soft fur like Hanks. And Alec is like, that's because I have a better razor. Ha ha ha. So everybody's having a nice time. And then Carly's dad storms in and starts losing It just starts screaming. And he's like, I won't have my daughter associating with some disgusting mistake of nature and like demanding that Beast be removed from the premises. It's crazy to me because every, it's been explained to her father like several times at this point that Beast invented the cure for yeah, her daughter. Yeah, I to, actually it, like, He just doesn't care. I wish that this scene was just a little better written like i think it would have been way scarier if he had been like not really mad but had just come in and been like yeah sure you invented the cure but i still don't respect you you know like if it had been less i wonder if that's too much for kids though i, yeah, I, I wonder mean, if that's right, where the line is just, being this drawn episode is like very black and white with carly's dad especially the ending where it's like whatever we'll get there but it's, okay you know like he's still like comedically angry in this scene <laughs> Do you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, you mean that? I thought you meant that gay sex scene with Carly's dad and Beast. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a little over the top. I, mean, I, I just didn't feel like it was appropriate for a kid's show. I loved it. So whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so Beast is like, fine, I'm just going to go. And he walks out the door and he's like, today is a day of joy. Carly can see. Let's leave it at that. And like does his dramatic exit. And Yeah. And Carly's all pissed off at her dad. She's like... I can see, and I all I see is you, and I don't like you. Yeah. You're ugly. I hate you. <laughs> she doesn't say that. Again, we're inventing things for Carly to say that she doesn't say. She just goes, no! <laughs> <laughs> I really wish Carly was like more of a character. Whatever, it's fine. So Beast I mean, that was leaves. like exactly what happened. All right, so Alec chases after Beast. Yes. And he's like, I'm so sorry about that. I wasn't expecting any of that to happen. Yeah. And we're like, and we're okay, like why Alec. not? But okay. <laughs> So then Beast takes out a little box, which I don't think we ever find out what this even is, by the way. He no, got, he got Carly a I, present. I have remembered, okay, when I was watching this right now, I was like, I remembered her opening at the end, and that's clearly something I invented in my head. But you know what it is? I think there's a very similar episode of Gargoyles where <laughs> Goliath has a little gift that she gives to like Elisa or something at the end of the episode. And then she opens it, and that's what I'm thinking of. 
but I could be making that up to, too. Who knows? I mean, it's like a classic cartoon scene where like it's like a tiny, perfectly wrapped little gift that like it was just well, there was a lot of moments in this this episode in particular where I was thinking about gargoyles, and I think I was mixing up pieces of this episode with gargoyles episodes, and I was like, God, are we gonna have to do gargoyles show after this because it's like the same show in my brain apparently. <laughs> well, so. we watch both shows like a lot. So No, but you know, I think I do think Beast falls into the same category as the Gargoyles, so I think that's where I'm this pulling that from. This is a Gargoyles y episode because it's like a beast guy falling in love with a human lady. There's a lot of like beauty and the beast parallels with gargoyles yeah, as well. And they do that a lot of that with like Goliath and Elisa. Yeah, and like, yeah, Goliath yeah, is yeah. also another character who's a big, burly, intellectual man, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to Beast. And now that we've crossed over with seven shows. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So he got her a gift that we never find out what it is. And then Alec goes back in the room and somehow in that five seconds where they both stepped out of the room, the room has been trashed and Carly okay. has been kidnapped. Basically, they have this conversation and Alec goes to give her the gift and then he's like, Beast or Hank, get in here. And Hank runs in and like the whole room's been trashed. Carly's been kidnapped. Everybody's been knocked unconscious. They've spray printed on the walls uh, for humanity. And I'm like... How did, How did nobody they do hear that? any of this? They like <laughs> flawlessly like, came in, in and silently like destroyed everything. Team, and they were like, "You're gonna spray paint the F. You're gonna <laughs> spray paint the F." <laughs> and like. There was, like, no sound of, like, anybody being taken. There was no, no screaming. No, they were completely they, silent. Also, everything's been, like, thrown apart. And, like, there's beds on the ground. I'm like, how did none of that make any noise? And, like, literally, they didn't hear it. And they were standing yeah, they outside were the door. they were literally, like, right outside the door. And Beast was, like, barely down the hallway when it he was, was called to, to come back. It was back. crazy. Like, it was really... It, like, it I liked the me. imagery. I really did like that. I thought that was a nice touch. I thought that was very Friends of the Humanity and kind of scary. But... It was like very unbelievable because I was yeah how like they didn't did need they to also trash the room like they should have like it's taken pretty, some of that stuff out. I don't yeah, know. Isn't it, I mean it's clear that the friends of humanity are people that are coordinated enough to do something that quietly or silently or anything with stealth at all because they're loud and rowdy and they just blow shit up and they don't seem to go into anything with a plan they just show up as a riot yeah and like like, set buildings on fire apparently and like that's the least of the things that they're doing so i don't know i don't understand how like 15 of them snuck into the window quietly wrecked the room knocked people unconscious and grabbed carly and rad and like nobody got her out the window like i guess they're on the first story we don't know we don't have any of this information it doesn't matter okay so then beast dumps a bunch of water on carly's dad to wake him up which somehow works and carly's dad immediately blames beast for the fact that his daughter was kidnapped and beast is like she was kidnapped by mutant hating bigots like you and like starts shaking him which like this doesn't seem like it's gonna end well (laughs) i was like okay this is actually a classic beast move though like in the comic books like if he has to deal with some kind of human interaction and he's trying to get it through their heads and his intellect isn't working he does revert to just being really aggressive and it's a known problem of his and so this is actually like a on par with his characteristic but you're right that he's grabbing him and just being like ah oh, it's your fucking fault and if you don't help me fight her i'm gonna fucking kill you you piece of shit and he i was like oh my that, god it's like almost that level like it's like as close to that level as you can get on a kid's show where he's like i'm gonna find her if it's the last thing i do and if you don't help me or not i don't even care and like he's you know he's losing it yeah. and meanwhile like so, there's like a, a shot where like a nurse and another doctor are just like uncomfortably staring at him while he's doing that which i like that they have that <laughs> 
And so he okay, storms so out of the room. Carly's dad goes chasing after Beast. He's like, wait. <laughs> and it's like, all right. Okay. So then Meanwhile, we cut to the Friends of Humanity, and I hope you wrote Logan, some of this down. I did. I did. So Logan is sitting across from Graydon Creed, just like in a couple of chairs in like an empty room, I guess. And he's so, like, okay. my name is John Logan. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> fake name I can come up with. It's like, Logan, you still said your name. You yeah, he's idiot. like, my name's Logan. I mean, John Logan. It's me, James John. Logan Howlett. I mean, John, John Logan Howlett. I mean, I'm Wolverine. I mean, my name Wolverine. is Vereen. Wolverine. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Anyway, <laughs> so he's playing nice with Graydon Creed, which is somehow working and being like, yeah, that mutant really roughed me up out there, but you guys can help me with that, right? And Graydon Creed is like, yeah, we believe that mutants have their place, just not here, if you know what I mean. And Logan is like, yeah, you mean extermination, right? Like the rats they are. And Graydon says, ha, you'll never hear me say that in public which i really liked those lines because i was like I mean, okay so i know we're making fun of wolverine real. here but i actually do really like this scene because it also i was wondering what wolverine's plan even was here Me too. And it was and it's here that he's we sort definitely of learn. making it up as he goes along though <laughs> like yeah i was I, but i was like he's in so what he's gonna what is he gonna do when he gets there but i didn't realize he was trying to sort of figure out Graydon's weakness until this scene and i was like Okay, that's yeah, what he's doing. I think he was just like trying to gather intel and stuff. And since he's like a big burly guy, he knew he could kind of fit in here. Plus, he's got the healing right. factor. So like, what's the worst they could really do to him? So it's actually pretty safe for him to be sneaking in here. So then he sort of looking at Graydon Creed and he like recognizes him a little bit. And he's like, hey, so you look really familiar. Have I ever met you or maybe your dad 30 years ago 40 years ago and Graydon Creed looks kind of surprised and is like I don't know I don't think so and Logan is like yeah I knew a guy who looked kind of like him uh working in coal mines in Kentucky and Graydon Creed's like oh it couldn't have been him then we were all in Canada 40 years ago and to uh, the camera like, Wolverine goes so was I bub I know <laughs> there's a lot of moments in this episode where Wolverine turns to the camera and like smiles or like I appreciated some, it because I was like, at wall. least you're telling me what's going on. It's not like those earlier scenes where there were like the fire and Friends of Humanity were just randomly showing up and storming in. And I was like, wait, what's <laughs> going on? I need Wolverine to come in here and face the camera and tell me what what's going on. Well, thank God for Wolverine. Yeah. So I appreciated this because I was like, this is the level expo- of exposition that I clearly need in order to understand what's happening. <laughs> and so then we cut to Beast driving crazily through the streets of New York City. He calls the X-Men and uh, Carly's dad is also with Beast. Beast, and Carly's dad's just like freaking out in the passenger seat. He mm-hmm. doesn't even know what to do. And Beast calls the X Men, and he says that he's going to track down the F- the Friends of Humanity. I don't know why they've never thought about doing this until this moment, but they're like, "Hey, Jubilee, where's the place that Wolverine found you?" And yeah. Jubilee's like, "Oh, it's in the old Veterans like building, the old Veterans Center. Yeah, yeah, that's the headquarters where she got kidnapped, where Wolverine saved her, crashing through the ceiling. Amazing scene, one of our favorites. Yeah, honestly, yes. Yeah, and, and it's cool to see Jubilee like back in the fray in this episode. I guess Rogue and Gambit are just somewhere like having sex, and Storm also. Like, I mean, the three I of them so. are just gone. All three of them together. <laughs> yeah, because Rogue, Rogue's, Rogue's embracing that she can have relationships, so she's like Gambit Storm and, and Gambit. Finally, I we can to all take be a together. Personal <laughs> vacation in the hot tub upstairs, but don't worry, you can't touch me. But now you can look at me. <laughs> 
Oh my god, okay. So yeah, that's where the three of them are. Meanwhile, Gene and Cyclops and Jubilee are like, okay, we're going to be right there. The three of us are going to meet you at the Veterans Center. Meanwhile, right before they're about to walk out the door, Wolverine calls. <laughs> it's like really funny. He's well, like, but it's funny because uh, the way he calls, he's like, he's just going, war hello, room. anyone in the war room, war room, war room. And he's like, uh, hi, Logan, why are you calling us? Where are you? And Wolverine's just basically like, hey, you know how you said I shouldn't go to the Friends of Humanity place and like sneak in and try and kill him? Well, yeah, I didn't listen to you. And now I need you all to come and show up and to kill them for me. And we're like, geez, <laughs> oh like, God, I Logan. feel like you missed every point that i made and cyclops is like well we should probably entertain this because he's already there yeah so let's also just it's go. like highly coincidental and cyclops like butts in and sort of points that out and he's like hey we're actually already heading there now and so is beast because beast thinks they've kidnapped a girl that he knows and wolverine goes beast has a girl well well will wonders never cease and i'm like wolverine it's not the fucking time like it's i know wolverine's just he's just mad you're just gonna like take a second to be like oh we're gonna celebrate beast having a girlfriend i I think he's just jealous because it's like oh so beast has a girlfriend what about me then what am i supposed to do now what about all this intel that i've been gathering by myself oh my god anyway so so he's like i'll find the girl but also i need the portable cerebro projector and a file disc on an old buddy of mine and gene's just like why is everything you're saying absolutely crazy right now (laughs) Except they do it for some reason. Yeah. Um, and Jubilee's like already loading up the projector. She's like, ha, let's go. I can do this. So <laughs> yeah, that's later. But yeah. Um. So the next scene is Graydon interrogating Carly. This scene is so weird. I <laughs> I was trying my best to like come up with readings on like what form of bigotry this is symbolic of. And I'm like, I'm going to go with interracial marriage because I don't have any <laughs> other ideas on this one for what metaphor we're going for here. Because he's interrogating Carly and being like so beast was your doctor but he was more than that wasn't he you're more than friends with him aren't you and she's like what no definitely not and he's like yes you are and they who all who associate with mutants must be exterminated and it's like scary but it's also really weird because i'm like why would he want to kill this human woman i like didn't fully buy it but then i was kind of like well, Maybe, I guess in well, like what if, the what if, 60s or whatever interracial marriages were like, you'd still be considered a, a race traitor. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough or about... Or maybe he was like, oh, maybe they had sex and then they're going to have, like, a mutant baby, so right. they have to kill her. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. I can't really figure out Grain Creed's game here. Like, he seems very evil to be kidnapping Carly and interrogating well, her in this way. I think it's just he's unorganized and it's, it's obvious that he just won't deal with his own psychological issues so he's yeah i just i don't know i i wish that there was like i mean i guess it's fine who cares he's a villain he's a villain on a children's show he doesn't need a serious we don't need to worry about it for too much longer because beast is breaking into the friends of humanity yeah he breaks in and he's trying to take on a whole bunch of guys at one time which is a lot even for beast and so he's downstairs doing that and meanwhile, Logan walks in on a bunch of Friends of Humanity guys playing cards and be, is so like, hey, really guys, you play poker? Show up here? <laughs> I thought this was going to be a Gambit scene, but Gambit's not there. It's just Wolverine being like, 
everyone get naked. Yeah, and they're like, uh, you're a newcomer, right? We don't have to talk to you. And then they all get interrupted by an intruder alert because Beast is downstairs breaking in. And so the two guys run off and Logan starts talking to himself and he goes, looks like my new friends will get to meet some of my old friends. I was like, okay, Well, he's not really talking to himself. He's like looking at the camera again. But (laughs) then he goes over to this door that these guys were guarding and busts it open with his claws Mm -hmm. to find Carly screaming at Carly who's like tied to a chair yep. while is like all right girls coming with me and green is like you're a new member and new members don't have any right to be in here and wolverine pops his claws he's like i think these make me a member or something he like says that. these give me plenty of right which i liked yeah that's what it was i think i just like made something else up completely but whatever <laughs> and so as soon as creed sees his claws he starts freaking out but like he's freaking out because wolverine's a mutant but it's like beyond that like he's way more freaked out than he should be and so right. he like is shaking as he takes his gun out to shoot at logan and logan like very casually dodges the bullet which is like a fun little animation yeah i loved that i actually was kind of hoping like he would take the bullet and just like not be affected at and just all. like stare at Graydon and be like what yeah. do you think is gonna happen that would have been badass too but i also <laughs> enjoyed him just like doing a little shoulder roll as the bullet slides I mean, by it's him. a wolverine it's just so many there's so many good ways this could have gone down so it's, it's fine so he's like slowly coming towards him and he's like hey daddy's boy doesn't like claws which is a line that wolverine literally says (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i hope he says that in bed (laughs) he does and then graden is like what are you talking about and wolverine takes off his cyclops sunglasses and he says i don't have a familiar look to you i'm i'm confused about this though because like does this mean Graydon met him before at some point? Or does it just mean that Wolverine is also related to Sabretooth to some capacity? I interpret it as the latter. All right. Do you remember how we talked in that episode about how in the comic book, there's like a comic book that's based on this show where Sabretooth is Wolverine's dad or something. Yeah. So yeah. Well, in this like show, maybe dad, they're also saying that Sabretooth is Wolverine's dad, at least in the canon of this show. And therefore maybe i don't know listen i don't know I think, you know what we can't we can't the comics don't even know what they're deciding to do with Sabretooth half the time well let's just assume that Sabretooth and wolverine are related in some way and that they look physically similar even though this is an animated yeah, show so everybody looks the yeah. same so maybe graden would look at wolverine without the sunglasses and be like oh he looks like my dad and also me that's creepy yeah and be freaked out by it and also see that wolverine has similar powers to Sabretooth. kind of right and we have to we have to remind our audience that uh graydon is the son of mystique and yes. sabertooth which means that he's also related to rogue and nightcrawler so graydon is the only human within mm-hmm. his entire family which is important to this episode yeah, it is and it's important well it's not it's, it's important to like his psychology and, and like why right, he but is like the way it goes is. beyond just sabertooth it's like the whole family of uh graydon yep but anyway, in this scene, I think we're meant to be hearkening back to Sabretooth as Wolverine is like, you know, intimidating Graydon Creed with these claws and everything and being like, don't I look familiar, bub? And so then a Friends of Humanity guy comes to the door to be like, hey, this big blue guy's really kicking all of our asses downstairs, boss. And Wolverine goes over and grabs him and throws him at Graydon Creed and incapacitates both of them and then uses claws to shunk through carly's carly's ropes and then beast struggles up to the door and says yeah, carly's like, name and then collapses i'm here carly and logan's like what the <laughs> what could you like pick up why are you passing out in the doorway that we have to leave out of? <laughs> so he has to pick up beast even though beast is like you know 
It's Beast. I like his. I know. I like his like Beast. You gotta lay off the snacks because Beast is like five hundred pounds of muscle. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know the hugest dude. So they run out, and then like the entire rest of the Friends of Humanity are just standing there with guns. And somehow Graydon <laughs> Creed like circles around a secret door and he's outside now and is like fine again. And so he's back out there. And, and he's, he's got like, his like stupid gross smile. He's like, oh, since you like mutants so much, why don't you watch as I kill one? Yeah. And Wolverine's like, I'm going to kill all of you first. And it doesn't, we don't need to worry about that because Cyclops just blows apart the wall. Mm-hmm. And Gene, Cyclops, and Jubilee are just standing there. They're like, <laughs> Hey guys, what's up? They're standing there pretty far away though because what they're going to do is blast this projection into the room. And before they do, Cyclops before, says... First, we have some, first Cyclops turns to the camera and goes, I still don't understand why Wolverine needs this projector. And then Jubilee also sort of turns to the camera and says something along the lines of... Wolverine using, using his head, head and Beast, Beast going, going berserk? berserk? What's the, the world, world coming, coming to? With, or coming to? I'm glad we so. both wrote that down. I enjoyed okay. it. And so then Jubilee turns on the projector and who should it be but a three-dimensional image of Sabretooth blasted into the building and he's like walking towards them. And at first everybody like thinks it's really Sabretooth and starts like shooting at the hologram. I know. Even though there's like Professor Xavier's voice over it, be like, Sabretooth. This is Sabretooth. A projection. Yeah. <laughs> here is a hologram projection of a I'm person glad that who is really the time here. to record this at some point in time. I know. So he's like reading Sabretooth's Wikipedia page aloud, and it's like literally Xavier's voice like blasting out to everybody <laughs> saying every piece of information. And so meanwhile, Gray and Creed starts flipping out because the video is reading Sabretooth's real name, which for the purposes right. of this show has been changed to Gray and Creed Senior, just so that we yeah, like really get I, that it's I, no, I know. I wrote that down. I was like, that's not his name. But for storytelling purposes in this show, we'll just roll with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. And so Graydon starts screaming, I'm normal. I'm not like him. I'm normal. And all the other Friends of Humanity are like turning away like, uh, what? We just found uh, out that you're related like, to a mutant. We're going to go. Yeah, he's screaming like, I hate him. I'm nothing like him. He does scream, I'm normal. I like thought that was interesting times. because that's the same word that Beast says earlier in the episode when he's talking about how he wishes he was normal you know yeah anyway um so creed starts shooting at the hologram and just like completely is out of his gourd at this point yeah he's 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 like alone in the room shooting at the hologram screaming that he's not like his dad it's sad yeah he he tells the friends of humanity to leave he's like leave me here i'm normal and then we see all the x-men walking away and we just still hear graden screaming i'm normal and like all the fucking x-men are standing there shaking their heads being like (laughs) wow "Wow, that that guy's really got a lot of issues (laughs) (laughs) like he needs some serious help yeah and gene's like I could help him. And they're like, no, Gene, just keep walking. Keep walking. (laughs) Yeah. And then Beast has to give Carly the sad breakup talk, which I was pretty sad. This was how the episode ends, by the way. Well, yeah, I clearly imagined a version of this where he gives her the gift and then they like still work out. I thought I remember them staying together and then we just never saw her again. But that's not the case. No, this is a really sad ending. So Beast, I didn't write down his entire monologue here, but he's basically like, I thought we could live in a world where mutants and humans could live in peace, but it turns out we don't live in this world. And someday with work and hope, the world will change, but that's not the world we live in now. And she's crying. I just wrote, this is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And then Carly's dad pulls up in the car and like gets out and Carly's sobbing. 
and Carly's dad walks up and is now suddenly is like a huge fan of Hank McCoy and like shakes know, his right? hand and he's like, how can I ever thank you, Dr. McCoy? And I was like, that is a speedy turnaround. And then he like grabs his daughter. Well, you know, they, they, they had like 20 minutes to work. It puts all her out. in the car and they she leaves. And I guess that's the last time we ever see her. Which yeah. that is a really sad ending for this episode. It really is. Of just a really sad ending to this episode of Gargoyles the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess we could just go right into politics because this was one of those episodes that's just top to bottom politics, you know? Well, that's good because we haven't had any for, what, like three episodes? God, yeah. But I mean, all so- of the politics of this episode are like very surface level. You know? Yeah. God, it's sad to think that this is the conclusion of this episode is like the X-Men can't really be happy yet, which I guess is kind of the conclusion of some of the other episodes that we've seen where like Rogue is kind of figuring out her shit, but she still can't really be fully happy yet. She still doesn't get to be in a relationship yet. And like, that's what has happened to Beast. Like he's almost to a point where he gets to be in a relationship with somebody but then he doesn't actually get that. That gets ripped away from him because he's an X-Man and he needs to focus on that. And like, yeah, that's really sad. Well, I mean, it's also sad because it's not just about him being an X-Man. It's definitely because he's a, he's a big blue hairy gorilla mutant man. And he's like, even if I weren't an X-Man, it's still not safe for us to be together because you would be seen with me. And pe- I, I can't hide that I'm a mutant. It's like, I don't feel like the game metaphor totally works here no because it I doesn't think and i feel like and usually with beast what they go for i mean to varying levels of success i think but i think usually what they're going for is like this is how black people are treated like if even if you become a professor and wear glasses and have a lab coat you can still like be suspected by the cops of being a criminal when you're trying to like open the front door yeah, of your own house people are still going you know, to like, attack people are still you. gonna and look so- at you and assume that you are a criminal i mean like even if you you have a million professorships and stuff because of racism exactly. and i think like that i think is what we're supposed to think of this episode right and I, I was thinking that what you said about interracial marriage probably the closest that you can get between beast and carly in this because that's what it is it would be like some of you like you're white you're not white and everyone's gonna like know that and they're gonna still attack you because right. you're married except somebody this, who is not this white. show is positing sort of a version of the world where mutants are so different still like it's kind of like you know obviously interracial marriage is legal now but it wasn't that long ago that it wasn't which is actually like kind of creepy to think about you know like it's like only a few decades ago well for us right right now but in the 90s it was even less yeah no you're right you're right i think that's what people would have thought of when they saw this episode is like racial tensions i i'm always like not sure how well this I'm not sure how well X-Men works when it comes to that. I obviously we're two white people. So like, what do we know? But I, I well, feel like we're not it, just two white people. We're <laughs> both not straight. So there's that. So well, yeah. So I feel like we can usually speak to like the queer metaphors on this show. And like, we are familiar with some forms of being marginalized, but like, I'm hesitant to say like, this episode is a great example of race relations <laughs> in America. I don't know if it is really like, I'd be curious to hear from our readers if any of them have thoughts on that. Yeah, me like, too. With Beast and how he's presented in the comics and stuff. And, you like, can write it into themutantages at gmail.com. I thought that there were parts of this episode that I thought were really good when it came to that. I really enjoyed the scene between Beast and Jean 
which actually did remind me a little bit of like queer subtext where he was like, I just want to be normal. Like that part of it. I, I feel like there's like interlocking metaphors that you could do with Beast with that, you know? Well, that's fine. I, I I just think there's like a couple different interpretations that you could do, but I don't know. And and even like Graydon Creed's whole situation, like he's not a mutant. Everybody else in his family is mutants. It's kind of like, you know, the Nazi who is part Jewish or whatever. Like there are many stories about things like that or who are right. like a Nazi who denies some some other ethnic origin and, and is like, no, I'm white. I'm, I'm like a pure white person. There's definitely stories that, like that that you can point to, but it also kind of... Graydon's story always also feels like a weird, like ashamed of his gay parents kind of a thing too. You know, like there's some of that. Um, I'm trying to think because Sabretooth is so gay. I mean, who wouldn't be ashamed of having? Him oh, I mean, he's wearing like the gayest wrestling costume there is to ever <laughs> wear. But I was, I was trying to think if there was sort of a better metaphor in terms of Graydon being like, I'm nothing like them. Yeah. Okay, so this this might be a stretch, but Graydon Creed essentially runs a bunch of neo-nazis right so yeah he's, yeah he's this he's like he's basically a nazi leader and it's so to me it sort of reads almost a little bit like you know my parents were both jewish but i'm not right that's Somehow. kind of like how i feel or like they're both jewish but i don't want anyone to know that and i'm gonna right pretend. right and then that's his and then his followers find out that his parents were jewish or something and then they're like wait but you're not what's happening here so that's i mean that's one way to read it i don't like to draw parallels necessarily to um hitler or anything like that but I, with a lot of the friends of humanity stuff it does seem it to seems kind of intentional honestly yeah like i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to draw that parallel except i think the show is like yeah that's, that's, that's what i'm saying it's a, that's why i was like when you were talking right now i was like really thinking and you came back to me and i'm like hold on i'm trying to figure out the best way to formulate this thought i mean <laughs> because i i don't know i'm always hesitant to be like is this show going as deep and dark as we're saying that it is but and i don't like, think it, yeah but it doesn't matter if it is or if it isn't it's not I think really it's, but i think it's it's designed to call up those questions yes that's what i was gonna say it's uh it's important that it brings up those questions for us to think about and that we can interpret it in any way we can i keep saying this about this show specifically like we can relate to it on a level now in 2018 even though this show was written in like 1991 it was based on comics between the 70s and 80s so clearly these like problems that the x-men face keep on like going from decade to decade to decade and they just like we can still relate to it so it doesn't matter really necessarily what they were initially writing it to be a metaphor of because it still can be a metaphor for other things if that Ugh, makes any sense i mean i i think sometimes it can be really corny like i i i still didn't really like the scenes with carly's dad just because they were so black and white for lack of a better phrase like it was like carly's dad was just suddenly really evil like comically evil and then all of a sudden at the end he was like you know what mutants are a-okay by me and i just was like i don't know like i, I, I don't felt think like, it would have been that quick <laughs> i felt like it needed to be more subtle in one direction or the other like either at the end he needed to be like more cautious towards beast but like sort of warming up to him or the other side, he needed to be, like, less cold towards Beast initially. Do you know what I mean? Like, it couldn't be... 
I don't know. It reminded me of that corny scene where like Senator Kelly is like saved by the mutants and is like, now I realize that some mutants can be good and other mutants are bad. And it's like, Jesus <laughs> well, Christ, you know, Senator it's this Kelly. cartoon doesn't have enough time to turn this around for kids to understand. So like, yeah, you know, no, I know. It has to be, has to be so a fast turnaround. It's like they they have like a, a show with these characters who are blue and they're like, see, it's exactly like racism. And it's like, yeah, it's really reductive. They don't have enough time to really build like a subtle <laughs> metaphor. I get it. It's not. It's a children's show but i still think some of the writing in this episode was like really good i mean there were parts that i thought were really stupid but there were parts that i thought were cool so it's I, you another know, one I, of those this is one of those episodes that i remember not really liking when i was younger but i watched it now and you know i told you when i was watching i'm like this is fine like i don't know what my problem was well you know, that happens sometimes i mean you you said that last week too we didn't like rogues episode when we were kids either okay but like that i was like wildly surprised about and then i was because i was like this is probably like my favorite episode period now and i don't know why i hated it for so long because it's great but this is not my favorite episode but it's still really good i think i think that I when we were teenagers, we didn't appreciate the like heavy political imagery that was happening on the show. Like, I don't think yeah. I did. I don't think I was no, even we picking were, we were up too on busy it. Really, giggling about like all the animation and voice acting because like that's what you do when you're a teenager. You don't yeah, really and like shipping the characters, deep. which we still do as adults, mind you. But yeah, I was gonna say that hasn't changed. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know. I guess I just want to say one more thing, which is like the portrayal of Carly. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Like that was the part of the episode that I just I wasn't as into. Like having her be kind of like this blind character who yeah, then suddenly exactly. is able to see. And also she's like a damsel in distress the entire time. I don't see like a way to rewrite it so that it works or anything. I just, it felt like very 90s to me. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, I agree with you because the 90s did fall into their tropes. Oh yeah, my God, like introduce a so female character, introduce the female character solely to be a love interest and then have her disappear after like one episode. And like, it's, I don't know, our readers can weigh in on this too because I don't know, but it seemed weird I, I mean, to me to have the blind character who was like portrayed as like still living with her dad and not being like her own person that seemed even a little though she weird to like me. clearly stating that she was like completely capable of understanding what's going on around her yeah like she looks like 35 in the animation so i'm like shouldn't she be living alone like why does she care yeah. what her dad thinks she does like why is he her For guardian real. that was weird to me and also she seemed too old to be doing that so i don't know i also it, i i'm with you there because i i felt more my bigger problem there was that was the only way that a human could possibly relate to beasts is if they were like handicapped in some way. Yeah, like, yeah, that too is like, oh, she's blind, so she can't see him. But I did feel like the show kind of subverted that in some ways by having her be like, I'm blind, I can't like not perceive everything else about you, well, beast. I, so that I was kind of nice. I, I, I did like that, but and I think we also sort of stated this a little bit earlier. Like, it's like okay, so we're queer, but we don't, and we definitely relate to people that. It, are like experiencing uh, other prejudice but it's yes, not the same so, but we're not a person of color so like there therefore we can't like we understand and we feel for them when we're there to fight that fight with them but like we we fight it from a different angle because we have a different experience with that it's still not great either way you know it's like we're working together to fight bigots because we just all want to be in the right place but i feel like that's kind of what they did here it's like okay so it's like oh here we have the handicapped person and like the gay person are coming together and like they understand <laughs> each other because they're both i don't even feel like nobody... the episode went that far with it though like i know but see the point i'm making is that i think i do like that and i'm glad that we went down that route and we got to see it but i would also be really interested in seeing a story where just a regular person like was like hey 
what if like we don't like there's just no regular people on the show who are i guess alec is the closest we get you know no, what I mean? You're right. is... And he's kind of like runs hot and cold with it. Like Alec is like, I don't know. I kind of want to stand up for you, but my my friends don't like you. I actually I changed my mind. I do like you. Wait, I'm really worried. Wait, we should actually come I mean, back. That's Wait. Fine. That, that is, that is also it's somebody. Realistic. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, that's, that's also a, a fair point too. Like that's, that's a character. That is a person that you would meet. That is a friend you would have had. I, I don't well, no, I don't think I've really known any get anybody that has that that's been a friend of mine and has also been like, oh, I can't hang out with you because you're gay and these other people don't like gay people. Like, I don't think I've experienced that personally, but I know that kind of person exists. And you know what I can relate to that on some level is that like way back in like middle school when I really didn't have like a lot of friends, right? Sure. And I was definitely like sort of like the nerd before I went down the goth route and like got really scary. Um, <laughs> Which you uh, did in reaction to everybody making yeah, exactly, fun of you, exactly. But right? there was a long time where I was like, sort of like the geeky kid, and like it was hard. And like I, I had some friends that would hang out with me, but they would also like in the cafeteria, they'd be like, all the preps hang out here, all the cool kids hang out here, all the geeks hang out here, and so I'd be like, sort of alone at my own table. And I had friends in school that would like say hi to me, and then like go and hang out with the cool kids. Like so, like that is like something that I think Alec is facing in this episode is sort of like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, but, or like the person who I, hangs out with you secretly, but then in at school doesn't say hi to you, like that kind yeah, of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like who he is and what he's facing. Except in this, he's like an adult male that's like thirty-five. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. But, I get but, what you're like saying. Like I said, though. I would I would be really interested in seeing a perspective from somebody that's just like a regular person that doesn't have anything to re- relate stand up for. Yeah, we really haven't had that because like, that's a those good people point. do exist. I feel like no, we live in a it's time actually right now impossible. You can't ever be an ally. No allies. Exist. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but like, it's I I definitely feel like in the past couple of years, it's we're very aware that there's a lot of allies that are just people that are like there for us which is great and like i think that's really important to hold on to and that like i think the next generation of kids are a lot more open about this shit than our generation was or the previous generation and so well they kind of have to be i mean like if you look outside but i I know i I think this show though is trying to present a version of the world where things are like a little bit hopeless for the x-men or at least this episode is sort of depicting that which is really sad like Sometimes we see episodes where it ends and it's like, there's some hope. Things are getting better. But this is an episode where it ends and it's like, no, things suck right now. And like... Yeah, things are like really bad. And yeah, he's like... Beast like is, the Beast Friends is like, of Humanity are actively trying to kill the X-Men and anyone who the X-Men even associate with. Or if you're a mutant and if you associate with a mutant, then you're going to potentially Yeah, like be if you're a human who dates a mutant. That's what this episode is saying. Like the X-Men yeah. can't even date anybody other than each other, which they've already dated all of each other and they're bored. <laughs> they need more X-Men members so they can date more people. I, It's just, I don't know. I mean, I keep harping on this, but I feel like the ending of this episode was like really bleak. And I think it was intentional. I think it was just like, this is where the X-Men are at right now. Like they aren't in a situation yet where they can be happy. Which is interesting because in the last episode, Rogue finally her in a place where she she was finally able to like it was kind of bittersweet though yeah i d- but no i'm saying that it's like so different from where we are now because like beast is like i can never have somebody whereas in the last episode we got rogues like well maybe i can have somebody you know yeah and then i don't remember what happened before that oh yeah cable and bishop they decided they could have each other so <laughs> those episodes were not important they were not part of any <laughs> larger political landscape <laughs> 
at all. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. <laughs> no, that's where it ends. I, I mean, like, there's we talked about the but politics. But what about, about all Wolverine. the politics of amphibious? <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, I don't. We still don't know what the hell's happening there. It, it's general take on the Savage Land. What? How is the Savage Land ruled? Is it totalitarian? I guess it is. Mister Sinister is a dictator. I mean, is he though? Because he's letting them do whatever they want. That's see, a good so point. I don't know. It's kind of a socialist utopia. Yeah, pretty no, much. It it's really not. I, I was going to say, the it's only anarchy. thing else I could comment on was Wolverine's trucker thing, which I already got into. I didn't yeah, think yeah, I yeah. to do that I again. like your interpretation. Yeah. So, are we ready to get into some X-Men history? No. Good night. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're not no, done it's fine. yet. Who's that X-Men? I know who it's it is. It's Carly. <laughs> <laughs> Turns no, out she's Carly not even... is a mutant after all. Okay, to be fair, I did research to see if she could have been anyone just to be like, okay, should we at least try and figure out who this is? She doesn't exist. Yeah, so like, what are your theories about that since you said you were going to get into them? Well, we'll get into that because we're our X-Men spotlight today is Beast. And of I was kind of hoping we could hold off on him because I know that he gets like a spotlight episode in Evolution and I, I don't know if he gets another one in this series, but, you know, he's around. So like I was like, mm, maybe we should wait, but... You know what? We're here, so eh, we're doing. It's good Beast. to get all the big X Men out of the way while we're still early on in the show. That's true. That's true. Although, ironically, this is the first X Men member who is part of the original five X Men team. Really? Because we haven't even touched Cyclops yet. Wow, yeah, we Jean. haven't. No, we haven't done Cyclops or Gene, and we haven't. Did we do Archangel? No, we didn't do Archangel. Did no, we? I thought we did. Didn't we do Archangel during that Archangel monologues episode? I don't think so. I think we did Apocalypse. I feel like we I don't got remember to Archangel into... on your list of your favorite X-Men, though. Well, yeah, I think I just announced that oh. anyway, like, all my own. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we haven't done Archangel yet because I don't remember doing that. I don't, anyway, you know, I think you're right, actually. Because I think I was like, why are we see going Archangel on like about this for so long? Okay, so let's talk worry. about Beast. Let's talk about Beast. Okay, so Beast originally was known as The Beast and then eventually just became Beast. His Real name is Dr. Henry Hank Philip McCoy. His powers, original his original powers are just like ape-like superhuman physical strength and agility. He had oversized hands and feet and genius level intellect until later he got the blue fur, the sharp teeth and claws and the the, the beast that we know now. But mm-hmm. he originally he just looked like a like a hairless gorilla. That that was his whole deal. Uh, he's known for being a brilliant scientist with a witty sense of humor. He's a biochemist, a geneticist, a medical doctor, and teaches science and math at Xavier's Institute. He's also a political activist, and he also suffers from bipolar disorder, which I don't think most people know about him, but it does explain a lot about him. And I think we got to see it a little bit in this episode, which was like a nice change of pace. I don't know how accurate that is. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't either. But uh, one of the original five X-Men, he also became a member of the Avengers for a really long time, like after the X-Men. Like, I think he spent like all the 80s with the Avengers and then... He also joined the Defenders for a long time, and then after that, he went back to the X Men. He's like Rogue, where it he's would be been cool sort of if either of those things both. happened in the MCU, in the MCU. or Netflix. The, I, that's what I'm saying is that the MCU definitely needs Rogue because I think it's important to tell her story ca- well, Miss Marvel's story, Captain Marvel, and I, you know, I think Beast and Wolverine are also important. So Beast is also playable in like most of the video games. So if you ever pick up an X Men game, don't worry, Beast is always there for you. Uh, and he's also in all the films for the most part. He was played by Kelsey Grammer in X-Men 3. And we know that he was played by Nicholas Holt and all the, you know, younger the latter generation day. of the x Yeah, the new ones. Yeah. And so he also made a brief cameo in X2, uh, like on a TV where he was like arguing with Sebastian Shaw. You know, he's there. I just wanted to let you know. 
because we're down now we're gonna jump into his history and like we're gonna get distracted all right so beast was made to be more werewolf like he was specifically made to be like the blue beast to capitalize off the success of the comic werewolf by night which was another marvel comic which people really liked at the time and so they were just trying to generate the same buzz with beast and his famous catchphrase oh my stars and garters was actually <laughs> debuted in the avengers comics and during that time he was also written to sort of be like as a sex symbol which i don't remember and don't i, I don't know but like i guess that was a thing that, that happened sounds amazing and, well that's what i was gonna say it resulted in a very positive response especially from female readers which is really kind of interesting and i i would love to dive more into the psychology of that i can tell um, you the psychology right now just a hot blue oh, man shit <laughs> blue man group in dead yeah. all right so he was born in dundee illinois his father norton mccoy was employed at a local nuclear power plant before hank's birth and they think that because of the exposure to the nuclear radiation it is the reason that kicked off hank's mutation hmm. because hank's powers started to manifest in his adolescence as opposed to like a teenage <laughs> oh like before adolescence you mean yeah like when he was like a kid like a, right a, like a kid kid and it allowed him to eventually excel in athletics but it resulted in a lot of animosity from the other human students and eventually he felt really bad and he professor xavier ended up inviting him to the x-mansion and of course beast went there and joined the first five x-men and so he's with the original x-men team during the first times we ever saw like magneto and the brotherhood of mutants and the juggernaut mm-hmm. and also the first time the x-men went to the savage land but he had a lot of trouble keeping a secret identity because he didn't really want one and at the time the x-men were still doing the secret identity thing and eventually he left the x-men for a little while because he couldn't deal with that and he became a wrestler uh or he met eunice the untouchable who also turned out to be a villain and he helped the x-men build a ray gun to make eunice actually touchable to defeat him and then after that he rejoined the x-men around the time of beast's 20th birthday he left the x-men because he was not the strangest teenager of all anymore <laughs> and he went to go work for the brand co- corporation and become a research scientist and dated his assistant linda donaldson who later turned to be a villain but we'll get to that and during this time he isolated the hormonal extract that turns people into mutants like creates mutations so he was playing with the idea that people could turn into mutants at some point when he was trying to steal some research he used it on himself to make him like become like a bigger scary mutant to disguise himself but he waited too long to use a serum on himself to turn him back into a normal looking dude and just ended up staying as beast mind you he wasn't blue at first he was like white haired and then it turned blue Hmm. so fun little fact that's when he discovered linda was an agent of the secret empire and hydra and they break up because that just was not gonna fly and then <laughs> directly after that the avengers approached tank and they were like yo so you want to work for us and that's where he went for like a full decade is that he was just straight up an avenger uh and he was very close to wonder man to sort of fill in that dynamic that was no longer there between beast and Iceman. cool just fun fact and then after he broke up with wonder man he joined the defenders <laughs> <laughs> and uh during that time he stayed with the defenders up until the first disbandment of the defenders so he was there like till the end of the first team um and then after that cyclops and gene contacted him and are like yo we need you and Iceman and archangel to come back and reform x-factor and this is when x-factor was like a bunch of vigilantes running around like people for hire to like go and capture other mutants and you know People are hiring them to like stop mutants from doing things, but they were actually freeing them undercover during that time. This is this is where I'm starting like think they're starting pulling a little bit of stuff. Is during that time at X Factor, Hank is captured by Carl Maddox, who is searching for a cure for mutancy for his son Artie, and like Artie had become handicapped in the sense that he became a mute, 
And so he used a version of Hank's serum to try and make it happen, but he was testing it on Hank instead. So I think it's, it's a very weird parallel to draw from, but I feel like I think that's maybe where they pulled it from because Carl is kind of like on the same wavelengths as Carly's dad. Also, Carl and Carly, mm-hmm. I, I, that's kind of what I got from that. So he was using a version of Hank's serum against him to test on Beast and subjecting him to chemotherapy and radiation. Eventually, Hank suffered cardiac arrest and the X-Men find him just in time. And when he recovers, all his blue fur is gone. And he looks human again, but not for long, because when the X-Men are battling with Apocalypse, Beast is touched by pestilence, who normally causes pain and infection. But the infection interacted with the Curamatics gave to Beast, and every time Beast started using his strength, he would get dumber. Like So his intelligence was decreasing. So it's sort of like uh, an Incredible Hulk situation. Yeah, pretty much. And at some point, he talks to news reporter Trish Tilby about it, who doesn't expose that it's beast who is getting who's losing his intelligence but she does say that one of the x-men x-factor members is losing her intelligence and beast was hurt by it and trish was all like no 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 i i meant i was trying to do the right thing i'm sorry uh which by the way trish and beast are on and off again dating throughout like all of the 90s just just as a side plot and at some point once when beast's mentality was reduced to just being like a kid uh, he ran into the mutant Infectia, who has the powers to manipulate molecular structure. And Infectia was trying to kiss Iceman because whenever she kissed somebody, it would turn them into like a mutated monster. And Hank just was like a kid and like jumped between them or whatever. And instead, that restored his intelligence, strength, and his blue furred physical form. And then he had more strength than he ever had before. <laughs> whatever sure um and then after a battle with the shadow king who had crippled charles xavier once again hank and the x-factor rejoined the x-men so that's when they get back to the actual x-men because they did x-factor for a while and that's an interesting read if you want to go back and read some good old stuff during the time of the legacy virus beast was trying to study it and eventually turned to mr sinister for help because he needed more resources and didn't want to have to deal with the morals of experimentation so uh during this time this is when dark beast came into the picture and finished the formula that beast was working on and also imprisoned beast and replaced him for a while and they were like what the fuck's wrong with beast but it was actually just dark beast like another character but don't worry because beast concocted the antivirus based on warrior mctaggart's notes on the legacy virus and figured it out and that's when colossus chose to sacrifice himself to create the remedy and after colossus's death beast was sad so he joined storm's team to search for destiny's diaries that you know this is the extreme X-Men run that I always talk about and I mm-hmm, enjoy, mm-hmm. which Chris Claremont had come back for. And after a bad battle, and it, it, he was there very briefly. He was there like at the beginning of it. And then during that battle where Vargas like kills Psylocke for the time, Beast was also mortally wheel- wounded and they sent him back to the X-Mansion to heal. I like how for, wrote for the time and we're going to run to other characters that are clearly still alive now. Like Psylocke is definitely alive. Yeah. I think we mentioned it last episode where you were like when Cyclops dies for the first time and just like, <laughs> it just like went along with it and I didn't even interrupt you, but yeah, I mean, it's going to continue. It's, it's an X-Men thing. Okay. So during that time where mutants were starting to experience secondary mutations during the new X-Men run by Grant Morrison, Beast's secondary mutation jumps was jumpstarted by Sage after he was badly wounded by Vargas, and this is the version of Beast that made him like even more beastly and more like feline. Like you know, when he went from just looking like the '90s cartoon Beast to looking like an actual like panther, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's the best way I could put it. And at that time, he was dating Trish Telby again, and Trish Telby was being accused of being into bestiality, so they had to break up. <laughs> which is kind of fucked up yeah this turned into beast being like super like haunted by his own self-doubt and thinking that he was de-evolving and actually like becoming an ape again right and then during that time he also beast becomes very close friends with emma frost and this is i i actually really love their friendship together and i wish we could see more of it these days but they're just 
they have not come circulated back to that again and basically i'm gonna break away from this for a second say that there's a moment in the new x-men where like emma and beast are like trapped in the middle of the ocean together and like beast and emma are like you know talking and beast is like i like you emma because you're the only person who laughs at my jokes Aww. it's cute i like them together i think i think it's good because like emma is like a nerdy enough to understand what beast is talking about 90 percent of the time mm-hmm. and like she is somebody that would also like understand all of this like stupid shakespearean quotes so, yeah totally so at one point you know when emma was feeling down i think specifically after like a fight with Jean gray you know he was bringing her flowers to cheer her up and i i read that even at the time as like i think that might be 40 mm-hmm. i don't know but found that Emma Frost had been shattered into like millions and millions of pieces in our diamond fort. And everyone's like, oh shit, Emma Frost is dead. Somebody shot her with a diamond bullet and she just shattered into a million pieces. To which Beast spends all of his free time taking every teeny tiny piece and putting her back together again. Which to me is like friendship commitment 200%. Yeah. Like, how adorable is that? Like, I don't know. I kind of ship them. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, but it's cute. You're, yeah, yeah, you're selling yeah. me on it. And then eventually, like, she comes back to life because Jean comes in, sort of, like, lose her back together with her mind. Mm-hmm. And when a cure arises at one point, like, when the, the cure surfaces and can cure mutancy, Beast considers getting it, but Logan talks him out of it and is like, it's going to look really fucking bad if an X-Men, like, a huge X-Men takes the cure right now. And Beast is like, yeah, you're right. And they decide, Beast then discovers that Dr. Kavita Rao found the cure by experimenting on mutant corpses, including Colossuses. So Beast gets pissed off and shuts down Rao's operation entirely. But it doesn't stop him from working with her later. So clearly his morals are a little <laughs> on the gray area there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Xavier's evil twin sister, Cassandra Novak, telepathically strips away Beast's higher human consciousness, which turns him into an animal. And he attacks Wolverine and eats Wolverine's leg. And a student by the name of Blindfold faces Beast with the device that he and Xavier had built in case Beast ever lost his consciousness like that and just became a wild animal to regain it. They should probably get one of those for Wolverine, too. But whatever. <laughs> just get one for every X-Men in case, like, something I mean, bad happens. Yeah, you know, like, they all go evil at one point. Mm-hmm. They're all subjected to the Shadow King and, like, possession at all times. And also, Xavier tries to brainwash them, so you never yeah, know. Yeah, you gotta keep, like, backups or something. I don't know. Yeah, pretty much. After this, the X-Men were taken away by the expansion by the government agency Sword, which is, they're up in space. They deal with... It's run by Agent Brand, which is really important because Agent Brand and Beast start flirting during all this time. And Agent Brand runs Sword, which is kind of dealing with the intergalactic aliens coming in and out of Earth. That's just sort of like a whole subplot that happens. And during the events of Civil War, which was like, I mean, we just saw it. It was like, we know what Civil War is. There's literally a movie about it if you really need to know what it's about. Uh, and so where the X-Men stood on that is that they just decided to stay neutral about all of it because the X-Men didn't have like identities to really hide and they've already had gone through the mutant registration act so they're like you superheroes who already liked get to sort of deal with this on your own mm-hmm. but Beast definitely like sympathized with them and you know he helped Peter Parker out for a little while and created a holographic disguise allowed Peter to teach on Midtown High without his identity actually being exposed and despite his feelings about the Superhuman Registration Act, Hank did enlist his services to the initiative program after the Civil War is over to assist training the next generation of superheroes, which, you know, like, are the ones that we know now, like Miss Marvel and Inferno, because there's been a whole, like, a whole sort of new wave of new superheroes since Civil War. Mm-hmm. And, and all of them are, like, really great. I like, you mean, I really like, like the sort all of new work. Avengers comics and stuff with all the little teenagers yeah, being adorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, the new Hulk, that's the the charming one, and, like, the new kid Nova and all mm-hmm. that stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they're all, they're all good characters, and, like, all of Vision's kids. Yeah. So, yeah. They're I adorable. like what they did. 
in the past year there was like a girl like a teenage girl that was doing iron man for a while and yeah. she was riri and she's really fucking amazing too they they did a lot of interesting stuff with like a younger generation and i was into all of it and they kind of branched off and started doing their own thing as the champions but i definitely recommend checking that kind of stuff out if you want to find it because they kind of is on level with like the x-men yeah um, it's and really I think fun it's... they they took some risks and then kind of tamped down on those risks later but there's like a, a few issues here and there where marvel was like what if everything was teen girls for like five seconds <laughs> i know and we were all about it and they're like okay thor well, can't be a girl anymore neither can wolverine Wolverine's uh, back. iron man also can't be a girl <laughs> and also captain america can't be black so sorry guys and i was like wow just take it all away good god but we still have miss marvel we like, do as they're not gonna give have, that up i don't think i think she's too popular she's way too thank popular god. yeah like, she was, i feel like amazing. she was kind of on the forefront of that wave and then they were like okay maybe everybody's a teen girl no all right bye <laughs> i mean i think a lot of people are mad that uh, i'm Laura clearly mad. can't be wolverine anymore but all right, yeah. let, get back to this so we can finish this. Let's see. So after the attending the funeral of a mutant, Matt Landu, Landau, Landu, I don't know. It's not really that important. He had been <laughs> killed in a road traffic accident. And he was a mutant. And so then Beast was thinking about mutant kind because it was after M Day and the House of M and after Scarlet, which is like, no more mutants and only made 300 of them. And Beast <laughs> was like, maybe we can reverse this because nobody knows what happened to Scarlet Witch. And I have the ability to like build machines that can go through time and space and alternate dimensions. So I'm just going to start searching other dimensions for Scarlet Witch to try and find her and put this back together. He mm -hmm. doesn't find her, but it is well, it does play into him pulling other things from the past that should be there later. During the Messiah Complex, when the X-Men are tracking down Hope, Beast is present for the battle on Buer Island and is the first to reach Professor Xavier after he is ex after Xavier was accidentally shot by Bishop because of course Bishop would accidentally shoot the wrong person. <laughs> and in the aftermath of that, Xavier's body went missing and Cyclops sends Beast to go search for Xavier. Doesn't find him. They just kind of like cut to a different time and like Beast just joins the X-Men during their time in San Francisco. <laughs> and during this time, Beast discovers that the legacy virus can infect scrolls with mutant abilities, so Cyclops uses this to threaten the scrolls from invading Earth, because this is when Cyclops is starting to get a little, like, off the rails. Mm -hmm. um, in the crazy story called X-Club, which was, like, a short miniseries, but, you know, definitely a good read if you want to see, like, a team-up of, like, Dr. Nemesis and Phantom X and Dr. Kavita Rao and Beast, like, just all the super scientists of the X-Men team. They go back in time to 1906 uh, to find Dr. Nemesis's parents and discover their origins of the original mutants and... They're also attacked by an early version of a sentinel created by the Hellfire Club, which inadvertently creates an earthquake. It, like, it doesn't actually really work when you think about it, because, like, why would the fucking Hellfire Club have a sentinel and, like, have built it before, like, Trask did? It, it just, yeah. you know, like, I definitely recommend reading it because it's fun. It's like, it's like comic book ridiculousness. I mean, you are recommending it as a person who loves time travel stories, so. I, well, I'm also recommending it as a, not like a good story but like like being a like, fun hey. goofy story you know like if you pick up god what was it today i think it was specifically gita who on twitter was re referencing that she can enjoy westworld if she enjoys it like you know like comic book ridiculous yeah. politics and like that's what this is it's just <laughs> you're you have to like remember that it's a comic book and that it just isn't going to make any kind of sense and you can enjoy it that way yeah oh my god so Beast was then later captured and used as a test subject for the Omega Machine, which eradicates mutant powers. This was by Norman Osborn, and during that time, he and Professor X were kidnapped, and you know, Beast was fucked up, and his claws were disappearing, but the X-Men saved him, and then he re returned to his normal healing. But Beast at the time was also starting disillusioned by Cyclops' leadership me methods, because this, as I said, is when Cyclops was starting to go off the rails, 
And Beast is like, I'm not really sure about this. And Cyclops is like, let's put Magneto on the team. Beast is like, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> and he leaves and Beast goes to join S.W.O.R.D. with his girlfriend, Agent Abigail Grimbrand, who is amazing, by the way. And if you don't know who she is, like, go look her up. She runs S.W.O.R.D. or she did run S.W.O.R.D. And she's just this badass motherfucker. And she's also an alien. So, like, their relationship kind of works. Uh, even though she looks human, she's an alien. And so during that time... Henry Gyrick begins to round up aliens who are living on Earth. And this this was like direct politics because this wasn't that long ago where Henry Gyrick was like rounding up aliens living on Earth to prevent an invasion and like kicking mm, them out. Got it. Yeah, that's 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 pretty like straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and during that time, Beast, Agent Brandon, uh, Lockheed all go on the run as fugitives from Sword to to attempt to overthrow Gyrick. Then after the death of Nightcrawler, which only lasted for a little while, Thank Beast goodness. attended... I know. Oh, all characters to kill. Do not kill Nightcrawler. He's great. Uh, Beast attended the funeral and then confronts Cyclops and he's like blaming the death of Nightcrawler on Cyclops' extreme actions. And Beast stays on Utopia for a little while to help fight against Bastion who's attacking them until Hope destroys Bastion. And then Beast leaves Utopia again. We're almost there. Uh, <laughs> then for a little while, Beast joins Captain America's Secret Avengers team. You know, I think that is also a really great run. And that's from the 2010 area. So if you want to look up the Secret Avengers, I definitely recommend that. Beast isn't there for the whole thing. But the Secret Avengers is very, very good. It's very dark. And it features just like a really great team. Valkyrie's there. She's amazing. If you like Valkyrie. Who doesn't? So... After the Secret Avengers, Beast then joined Wolverine and Kitty's new school, the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning. And then during the events of Avengers vs. X-Men, Beast joined the Avengers to stop the Phoenix Force from returning Earth, but then like went and joined the X-Men again when the Avengers were attacking them until the Phoenix Force had possessed Emma and Scott and they had gone crazy with power. And well, Beast was like, no, fuck, we have to stop this. And then after the Phoenix War, Bobby turns to Hank and just like jokingly says, the past Cyclops wouldn't tolerate his present self's actions. And Hank is like, hmm. <laughs> I have an idea. How about I travel back in time and take the original five X-Men and bring them to the present time to convince Cyclops that his actions are crazy? <laughs> Which leads to Kitty eventually being like, Beast, you need to fucking leave the X-Men because this is like crazy fucking unethical and you're just fucking up timelines now. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so at this point, this is when Beast was also revealing that his second mutation that Sage had jump-started after his attack on Vargas was also killing him very slowly. And so, you know, when he came back to the future, he, like, reveals and reveals this and goes into a coma. And the new young Jean Grey has to link the old Beast and young Beast's minds together. And then young Beast, like, goes through, like, all of Beast's calculations and finds a cure for him and fixes it and then helps Beast. And then Beast goes through a third mutation where he turns into, like, the Beast. Because in recent comics, Beast has sort of looked a little bit different again. He doesn't look... He looks more human in blue, but doesn't look like... um the feline version of him that he had been for the past 10 years, 10, 15 years. So just, just a fun thing to know. But uh, and then all the young blue. X-Men decide to stay in the present. And that's just a whole other thing that's been going on for a few years. I don't think for much longer. I think part of that has ended. I think Gene died and a couple of them are going back home. So it's, it's a bad time though. I just don't expect that to go on for like three years. <laughs> yeah. At all. I tried to read some of those like kind of by accident because I have Marvel Unlimited, so I'll just like read random comics. I remember reading one of the ones where the old Cyclops and Jean were like coming forward and I was like, I'm so confused. I don't understand what's I happening. Mean, it, it is like a, a joke among the X-Men that like they are constantly 
time traveling and going into space and then like going into alternate timelines i mean the whole thing between bishop and cable is like a, a big sort of like joke about how the x-men are always time traveling so it is it does pretty make funny sense. and also like the jokes on me for always reading comics in such a disorganized way where i'm like i'll just try reading this comic i don't there's no way sometimes it works out to start and i was like there's <laughs> sometimes no I reason start reading something and it's a great place to start other times i start reading something and it's a terrible place to start <laughs> that's so, like all comic books though no, there's not it's I not know. just restricted to the x-men all right uh two more plot points here um so at some point, Cyclops goes to Mirror Island and discovers all the mutants there had died, and when they were trying to figure out what's going on, Beast had done a diagnosis and figured out that the inhuman parogenesis cloud, which was turning people into inhumans, was also had somehow mixed with the Earth's atmosphere become super poisonous to mutants and was killing them, and Beast was trying to bridge the gap between inhumans and mutants and went to work for the inhumans for a little while, trying to be like, okay, so how we can stop this, and then becomes a trusted ally of the inhumans and joins their console, until eventually Beast is like, I can't find a cure for this, so I think the best thing we should do is all the mutants need to leave Earth. And the X-Men are like, fuck no. And so they imprison Beast because they're just like, Beast, you're fucking, no, we're not going to all fucking leave the planet because there's like a poisonous cloud. And your job was to try and like fix this. And you're just like, okay, let's all get on a spaceship and leave. That's not happening. Yeah, so but that's I mean, when that's they go not what war. ends up happening. Uh, no, well, during that time, Medusa activated a generator to destroy the Terrigen Cloud and that left Emma to be branded as a traitor because Emma was like claiming that like Cyclops's death was because of the Inhumans, but she was actually just using that as a reason to get the X-Men to fight the Inhumans. And that's not what happened at all. And Emma was like, okay, bye. And quickly left. <laughs> uh, she'll be back. We know she will. And then after that, Beast's like, hmm, maybe I should make up with the X-Men. And he did. And that's pretty much where we are now. So Hooray! there you go. Welcome to Beast, another long-term X-Men. Ah, oh, okay. We gotta talk we about it. who's gay because I'm getting so sleepy. <laughs> oh my god, I know, I know. Okay, okay. Right. Who's gay? We're still Who awake. We're gay? still awake. The X Men are a is gay and also <laughs> i like well that's that's what i said i, I will like, say I also like that beast. i thought that all of the like wolverine sneaking into the friends of humanity scenes were like homoerotic in a way it was kind of like wolverine sneaking i think into... we already touched in on touched on this where i said it's like i don't know it's like trucker. a weird fraternity vibe it's i don't know guys playing poker by themselves i'm just saying yeah and green is like yeah you can join our club when you bend over and take it and yeah wolverine like there's like, like that weirdly like lots of alone time with graden and wolverine staring into each other's eyes i don't know if i ship any of this and i want this to happen i'm like not on board with this at least with like no Alec it's like Beast it's and, one of those like, like dark fan fictions that you read and you're like i shouldn't be getting any enjoyment out of this but like on some level i am but i feel so kind of weird like on par with like Goliath like getting items shoved up his ass by the Illuminati no it isn't and if you <laughs> want to know what Ryan's talking about you can listen to a podcast called Warcraft Valley where he and our friend Katie read old fan fictions that they, they actually wrote. wrote where Goliath gets stuff shoved in his butt and I don't <laughs> the X-Men are there too the also, X-Men are also there that. sometimes getting stuff in their butts sometimes not anyway um, okay, in conclusion so... Wolverine 
is my uh, yeah. suggestion. Well, yeah. I thought you said you thought you were gonna say Wolverine's bisexual. I was like, well, yeah. Well, but... yeah. I but I'm trying to say who's the gayest in the episode, and I'm gonna say it's Wolverine. Also, another dark fan fiction is like Alec and Beast, but Alec's too ashamed of his relationship yeah. with Beast. This is such a tragic episode. It's really making the ships tragic as well because it's I know, like right? no one can be happy, and the end of the episode is just. Things are bad. Everything is sad. Go home alone and cry the into end. your pillow. Like, that's how this episode ends. <laughs> yep. I don't know. I want to believe that there's happiness out there for someone. Maybe Wolverine and Beast go home and hook up because they're both, like, sad and angry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I well, yeah, there was a point there where I was like, maybe Wolverine's, like, jealous that Beast has a girlfriend now, mm-hmm. which means they can't fuck anymore but don't worry it doesn't work out with beast and his girlfriend so it's fine yeah there was there wasn't enough time for everybody to have gay sex in this episode there really wasn't everybody was being very serious all the time except for like that one bathroom scene wait where, like... what about magneto and xavier we always forget oh, they're in the fucking episode because okay, we hate they them actually wait they actually do they win actually because they land the on the beach characters. and they start making out it was Guys, like out of control we're so tired okay no they're the actual winners we forgot and then also say, amphibious that, yeah amphibious is gay scene <laughs> what about that gay scene in the friends of again the friends of humanity bathroom where wolverine like was dressed as a trucker and there were some other truckers in there and they were like checking each other out yeah and they like, were like using codes to tell each other to suck each other's dicks but like not in a gay way yeah that yeah, scene was pretty gay that was pretty gay too <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> no but i think xavier and magneto win they do they, win. They, they do win because I, just, I forgot, like, forgot about the scene where they were like session on the beach. making Whatever. out and like heaving, just heaving breaths at each other on the beach. I don't even know. <laughs> anyway. I still want somebody to make that picture, like paint a picture like or draw a picture of Xavier and Magneto making out of the beach. And it's like beautiful and like, you know, like it in the background, it's like just like dramatic those, dinosaurs like, and like velvet amphibious. paintings that you like hang on your wall. And it's like, yeah. Painted I'm going to velvet. frame it. If you may, if you draw this, I will print it and frame it. You know, send it to the mutantages at gmail.com. Anyway, should we read this episode? Sure, let's read the episode. Um, I'm gonna give it a solid three out of five X's. I enjoyed I... it, but it wasn't blowing my mind. How yeah, about you? Originally, when I was finishing watching this, I was thinking four, but after we like looked at it through a critical lens, I definitely am more on the three. So I think we're both agree. On I this. mean, I I would give it a four because there were scenes I really liked, but I feel like it's bogged down by all these other things. Like there's the Savage Land thing randomly in the middle there, <laughs> <laughs> and there's just just scenes that like I wasn't as wild about. I still think the Carly's dad stuff could have been a little bit stronger, and like Carly as a character is just no one. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know, but I, but I really I, liked everything else about the episode. I liked getting to see Gene like be a helpful friend. I I liked just the sort of interesting writing with Beast I and liked the Friends of Humanity. Beast and all his own. I like I liked seeing Beast break down, and we could see that he was more than just like it, like this smart jokester. Yeah, and that'd be like it's all a cover for how super insecure I am. I really liked seeing that, and that was sad. It was dark, and I liked seeing like. I, I, it's even though it's a dismal ending, it's a good ending where Beast is like, things are too fucked up for us to be together. But that's, I feel like that that's more too. about his own insecurity, which is interesting. Yeah, and I, I liked all the Friends of Humanity stuff too, like because that was also fucked up in a different way, especially when Wolverine's like sneaking around in there and like, yeah, you're and right. There and when they're like bur- trying to burn down the hospital just because like an, a mutant was there, it, I think it all worked. 
it just was I like I wish that hospital burning had been a little better explained like cut out the savage land scene and just add in <laughs> add in the characterization to the rest of the episode the only reason why we're being forced to watch the savage land scenes is like it's the only thing connecting these episodes at this I point know, and so like we have to see them care. and it's just like I know next season it's all phoenix shit so at least we know how that connects it's just gonna be one solid i know i'm just like waiting the for phoenix. the savage land stuff to like somehow pay off like i'm sure it's gonna end i mean it's gonna end with mr it's sinister it's gonna end in a mr and sinister a and a nasty boys orgy in the savage land in the in the gay the bar that is in the center of the savage land with the t-rexes outside standing guard checking ids at the door and just... look at the t-rexes are bodyguards look i don't know what they're doing there <laughs> Okay, anyway, do we have any reader mail? (laughs) Dare Um, I even ask? (laughs) Actually, I don't think we do, but I'm going to look. good, because this episode is two hours long. (laughs) Actually, it's not good. Listen up, readers and listeners. You should be sending us mail. And ordinarily, our episodes are a slick hour and a half as opposed to two hours. So usually we have time to to hear from you. And we we had all sorts of of prompts this week for people to send us mail about. We had like thoughtful prompts about like what people think about racism as a metaphor and disability and and just different things as metaphors or not metaphors literal presentations in this episode and what people think about it let us know what you think there's art um, pieces i need you guys to create had- for me jokey ones about how we would like someone to draw a picture of saber and magneto making out in front of a beautiful landscape backdrop of the savage land you know what it's possible because somebody drew that crazy request i said i'm like somebody please draw xavier with a bunch of dicks coming out of or- every orifice and then that happened it did somebody drew that haunting picture which is over <laughs> at our twitter at the mutant ages on twitter um and if you want to follow us individually on twitter we're also on there i'm at Mitty myers and i'm at ryan pagella and you'll know that when you get there and it says mr sinister oh yeah do you like how seamlessly i transitioned into plugs by the way yeah pretty i was i was like i called attention to it though so it's it's no longer seamless at all anyway we already said our email address 60 times we have a youtube channel and it's a great youtube channel and it's under atomic food productions which is the name of our media company where we have this podcast and warcraft valley and also let's watch two movies which is my other show and we make silly youtube videos that are sometimes affiliated with those shows and sometimes just us being the x-men or whatever the fuck we're doing and all those other videos that we have on there or Resident yeah. Evil characters. Yeah, so you should search Atomic Blue Productions on YouTube and you can go to atomicblueproductions.com and find all that stuff. And we have a Patreon if you want to give you can us join money. join the X-Men. Yeah, if you want to join the X-Men, there's a paid membership fee. No, that's me. <laughs> no, okay, but uh, you, should, you should support the, the Patreon. Even a buck, but everybody donating a dollar helps us a long way. And we have a lot of equipment we need to buy because we are planning on making more videos this year. Um, mm-hmm. which we want to make something- more live action videos so like you should subscribe to our youtube and watch our, the dumb videos that we have on there and then also pay us so that we can make less dumb videos yeah and we hopefully we'll make some more podcasts but we like we just need better equipment we need more time and like hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be able to reveal some of our big projects that we're working on but a lot of them are inspired by the x-men because there's like some time travel stuff we're working on so everything we're we do actually is inspired time by traveling. the x-men you're actually everything. every single time you do need a dollar it helps us build our time travel machine yeah and guys there's a lot of stuff we need to fix i don't know if you all have been paying attention <laughs> but we've got some stuff we need to go back and do although honestly like you and i we would really be the cable and bishop of time travel we would be <laughs> fucking it up 
<laughs> no one should let us have a time you would travel be like, machine. Okay, if I had a time travel machine, it'd be like, finally, we could go back to time so I can go through the 80s as an adult. And I was like, why would we do this? I mean, I that's like, basically the plot of the movie that we're writing. Anyway. Um... I mean, that's true. Okay, anyway. <laughs> good times. Donate to our Patreon. Wait, what else is there? Did we miss anything? Uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. We've got all those everywhere. things. You can find us. You can us. find us. You can email us you can tweet at us you can send us physical mail we don't have <laughs> you a place can't do send that, us though. physical mail that's the only thing yet, you yet. can't do someday yet. someday that's okay. my dream that's it that's it welcome to the you X-Men. always say welcome at the end of welcome. our show welcome to the mutant ages welcome to the end of the mutant Buckle ages up. we have a, a whole new episode no, that's gonna start don't. right now oh my god see you x time Aww, see you See you next time. It's Avalanche. Follow us at AtomicBlueProductions.com or support us at Patreon.com slash AtomicBlueProductions.